Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. It's so polluted that all our fish have AIDS. We see the sun almost three times a year. This guy has at least two DUIs. Flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down in East Cleveland or you'll die. Our economy's based on LeBron James. Buy a house for the price of a VCR. Our main export is crippling depression. We're so retarded that we think this is art. It could be worse though, at least we're not Detroit. We're not Detroit. We are not Detroit. We are the Friends of Fans Benefits Baseball Podcast. I'm Justin Mason. That is Dave McDonald. Dave, how you doing, my friend? Good, buddy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's late night. We're, we're getting rolling here at uh, 11.37 my time, uh, and that means it's 2 o'clock, 2.37 <laughs> in the morning, your time. So maybe a little bit loopy tonight, but uh, we're going to talk some fantasy baseball and hopefully not answer too many fantasy football-related questions. <laughs> 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 For those of you who are watching live, I changed the title to FWFB Fantasy Baseball Live, so that way maybe there wasn't as big of a confusion this time as there apparently was last time. Though we, we appreciate those people who joined us, whether they were looking for fantasy baseball or fantasy football content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I hope we helped the, the people with their fantasy football questions last week, but uh, hopefully more baseball today. <laughs> yeah, definitely more baseball today. Uh, let's just jump into it. We're talking about a few news items uh, that are interesting to us. Let's start off with uh, – was one of the crazier things that have happened so far this postseason, and that's Eddie Rosario just being like out of this world good uh, so far uh, throughout the postseason, leading the Braves to the World Series. They're going to be taking on the Astros uh, starting tomorrow. What are your thoughts on Eddie Rosario's huge postseason run? My thoughts are fuck that guy because he didn't do shit for us in Cleveland. Uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, you know, we knew he could go on a run like this. I was just, you know, hoping he would do this in, you know, April, May, June, July, you know, anytime while he was still on the uh, Indians, now Guardians. But uh, no, he decided to wait until, uh, you know, the uh, NL postseason to just go absolutely bonkers. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see where people place him next year, because obviously this guy 
you know, very talented, but had a shit season up until this. So it's always interesting to see how much the playoffs uh, affect players' draft price. I mean, I think we often say it's going to, and it rarely does. Because people don't really look at postseason numbers. They, they end up, you know, when they start making ranks, they start, like, figuring things out. They don't really care about the postseason. So I, I think well, it's going to be. Where does the Rosarena go if not for the postseason last year? But he was, I mean, he definitely went high, and I think that's a special case. Um, but he was also crushing it in the regular season, too. Like, it wasn't end. like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, he, you know, he only had an end. He only played for like a month of the two month season. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I think had a Rosarana just had a huge playoffs, uh, I, I think, yeah, his price definitely would have gotten inflated like it did, but it wouldn't as, or it wouldn't have been that much different necessary, or actually, no, it would have been a much different without a regular season kind of back up a little bit of what he did. Maybe. You bring up an interesting point, though. So you said that nobody looks at postseason numbers. Why do you think that is? Because if we're looking for players playing against top competition, isn't that the best source of that? It's just such a small sample size. Sure. I mean, and I mean, I think it. there's so much because it's such a small sample size that can be uh, can be honestly um, kind of skewed. You know, you can get Chris Taylor, who's gone up against the Giants a bunch of times from the season, just have a huge series, uh, you know, you know, one game samples, you know, if you're only playing, you know, for the Dodgers, for instance, you know, the Dodgers played, you know, 12 total games in the or 13 total games in the playoffs. So, you know, Chris Taylor's three home runs, look, you know, huge, like, you know, do we really want to overinflate that, you know, you know, single game uh, scenarios, uh and put that into our calculus for the season. I, I mean, I think there are some things you should take a look at, right? One of the reasons I was pretty high on Julio Arias coming into the season was he had thrown a ton of innings between the, you know, the postseason and the regular season. I thought, I thought, Hey, this is, this might be a reason why the Dodgers don't baby him finally coming into 2021. Uh, and that seemed to work out well. So I do think there are some things. I think usage is important in the playoffs. Individual yeah. performance, I, I don't know that you're going to glean too much from it. Well, so you're talking about, you know, looking at it as uh, as important or more important than the regular season. I'm not saying that, but what about just counting it with everything else, like counting it as part of the sample, not counting it as its own separate sample? I mean, I think – I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think a lot of it is unnecessary work, though, because, I mean, to give – people credit you know when other people don't even have the opportunity to play in the postseason um sure, sure. i mean it's it's more just uh i look at it as bonus information like uh sure. you know obviously, obviously i'm not gonna you know a guy who pitches you know 30 more innings in the playoffs than a guy who doesn't i'm not gonna say oh he's look at he's got more strikeouts obviously that doesn't matter yeah but just kind of looking at it as okay you're playing against obviously top competition here how did you do against them i think it should be counted to some extent. I think I think the main reason it isn't by people is just laziness because it's it's not counted. Like when I go to fan graphs, I can't look at the yeah. at least to my, to my knowledge, you can't look at combined regular season and postseason. Maybe, maybe you can somewhere, but I think it's really just the people don't do it because it's just more difficult. Uh, and like you said, you know, if you're looking at everybody's just regular season, they're all kind of on the same plane. Whereas if you have to consider 
what they did in the playoffs also. Some guys are going to have more innings or more at-bats than other guys, you know. But I don't know. I, I feel like it should be counted uh, just as much as any other um, game. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think when you – I think if there's something you identify in by looking at postseason numbers, that's great. I don't think that – I think a lot of it's noise. Um, you know, yes, you are playing against, against the best competition, but then are you going to downgrade someone who has a bad postseason? No, I just think it should be a part of the sample, you know, altogether. I just think it's more information. But it, it's not part of the sample when we're actually talking about the stats that matter, right? So, I mean – I, I, I think the postseason is about as valuable as the preseason. Hmm. Okay. I, right? think it's more... I mean, oh, I, I would honestly say the preseason is more valuable. But, I mean, I think it's pretty close to being about as valuable uh, in terms of, like, individual player performances. You know, okay. it'll tell you something, you know, especially in what, what's the most important thing uh, that we look at in preseason, right? It's usage. And it is health, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, and that's kind of the two things I want to see from guys in the postseason, you know, in terms of fantasy. I want to see their usage. You know, if if a manager decides he's afraid to go to a certain pitcher in the ninth inning, that tells me a lot about whether or not he's going to trust him coming into next season, you know. Uh, sure. If, you know, if a, if a manager lets a pitcher go deep in a game or – uh, you know, is batting a certain hitter, you know, high up top of the lineup. Like that, those are telling things for me. Or who you're using as your closer. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, you know, but if a guy goes three for four against, you know, Corbin Burns, do I care? I mean, great for him. No, I don't really care that much. It's just one game. Okay. I mean, I, I can say that about any other game, though. I can say this game is just one game. It doesn't matter. It, it just, yeah, but I, you're getting I, a larger I, sample. Like, if, if I told you to, like, like, it's. Well, right. I'm saying, I can, I'm saying, why can't it just be part of the sample altogether? I'm not, I'm not saying it, it's I super. I mean, it can be. I don't think it, I don't think it's super useful, though. I think you're playing those games under different conditions. Okay. Postseason, postseason is a different game. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I I would argue that it's it's tougher than a regular season game is. Yeah, but you you're still it's still a different game. Next season's not going to be tougher. So why like like why are we? Comp- I mean, it's comparing baseball and softball. I was going to say apples and oranges, but uh, okay. you know, I mean, it's it's a different it's a different level of game necessarily. You know, uh, and you're All not right. going to get that in the regular season, right? All right. So I, I, guess, I don't. Wanna- I guess- I guess we'll agree to disagree on this one, man. All right, we can disagree. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the next thing. That's Spencer Torkelson, top prospect, yeah. uh, one of the top prospects in all of baseball of the Tigers. A serious ankle injury in Arizona Fall League. Not while we were there. You can't blame us. Uh, <laughs> this this has just happened. Um, you know, I, I where are you at on these top prospects in terms of drafting them coming into next season? Are you a guy that? tends to like kind of shop uh you know on a few of them or uh, like I tend to ignore the top rated ones the ones who are at least going to be going in the top 150 unless there's somebody who really catches my eye because of what happened this year right like I was big on Jared Kalanick uh that did not work out well um so I was already probably not going to be getting very much Spencer Torkelson if this uh, "quote unquote" serious injury, uh, you know, is going to linger into the season, there will be no shares of Spencer Torkelson on my teams. So, first of all, I, I blame Michael Govier. Uh, as a Tigers fan, 
and a uh, resident loudmouth uh, who at the Arizona Fall League games, there's like 75 people at these games, and you can hear Govier at any part of the stadium. He's so loud. Um, gotta love that guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was cheering for uh, Neil Diaz on a home run like a proud father. It was hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Spencer Tarkelson from his Detroit Tigers. Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see how serious the ankle injury was. What did they say on timeline? There is no current timeline. They've just said okay. that it is a, a serious injury and that he is going to miss time. Okay. Um, like going to miss time in the regular season or going to miss time? There's, I mean, no, there's no update on it. Okay. Uh, but right. the, the way it, it read was like, oh, this is like a potential, like, I don't know if this is like an Achilles injury or if this is like, you know, he broke his ankle. Uh, but it sounds like to me like he's going to, you know, he's obviously done for the rest of the Arizona Fall League. But that he could, he actually could probably miss time coming into the season. Okay. Well, I mean, so back to the rookies thing. Um, you know, you, you were talking about what happened to you this year. You should never be overly influenced by what happens in any particular year. But I will say, in all the years I've been playing fantasy baseball, rookies are rarely a good investment in general. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm going to be keep going more and more away from rookies, but. I do think that there are some times where exceptions can be made. You know, like if you can get a guy like Jonathan India this year, you know, you could have gotten him for super cheap and, you know, a guy who could potentially be leading off for a good offense. You know, I think like you were saying, you know, you avoid the top guys where you have to pay those, you know, exorbitant costs. I think that makes sense. Um, You know, Torkelson, I don't know what his playing time situation would be next year, even if he were up. Um, you know, if I know that a guy is going to be playing every day and it's like a catcher rookie, then that's one thing. But uh, in general, uh, I'll be fight. I'll be fading guys like him. I, it's just, especially a catcher. I, I want to make sure I'm getting stats because that's a position where you can get way behind other people who have everyday starters like Sal Perez and JTR. And if the NL gets the DH, we've mentioned a long laundry list of names there that could get everyday playing time as well. So uh, I, I won't be going uh, the Torkelson route. But, you know, guys like Shane Boz, on the other hand, you know, playing for a, a really good um, offense with a really good bullpen in a really good pitcher's park, it's it's tough to with, – with ridiculously good stuff, and even the projection systems love him. And we'll get into that oh, later. Yeah, we're going to talk about yeah. that because, uh, uh, but but stuff like that, it, it that's where it's tough to fade a rookie. But it all depends on cost, you know. I, I don't know where he's going to go. It's probably going to be too high for me. But uh, you know, I I don't ever want to say I'm completely out on rookies, but I'm still shying away from guys like this. Now I want I want to clarify because you start saying catchers. Were you thinking Adley Rushman? Because I was talking about Torkelson. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I was thinking about Rutschman, but then I, I was I don't I don't know why I was thinking Tor I why because I said Detroit Tigers, so I wasn't thinking yeah. of Rutschman originally, but then somehow I switched to that. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I uh I apparently was uh went into catcher mode there. But uh yeah, Torkelson, is he third or outfield now? I, I mean I, they're oh, trying him at third, but I okay. think he's gonna end up being the first baseman. Oh first. Okay. All right. That'd be my, that'd be my uh, guess is that at some I think they're gonna Give him a shot to play third, but I, I don't know that, especially long term. I don't think he's going to hold up at third. I think he'll, he'll end up being a first baseman. Yeah, um, I mean, in general, no. I, I'm just going to be out on guys like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think I am too. And uh, especially if a guy is doesn't seem like he's going to be up fairly early, especially because of an injury. Uh, right. You just can't hold a guy into your roster for that long unless you have, you know, minor league slots, um, which some leagues do. If you have minor league slots, that doesn't apply to you, right? Yeah. Um, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, he wants to stay with the New York Yankees. Um, now, there's been no comment of, from the Yankees that whether or not he is in their plans or not, uh, but it'd be interesting to see if, if Rizzo were to stay with the Yankees, how much would this complicate things like Luke Voigt's playing time? Yeah, that's, that's the big thing. It's not that I don't like the idea of Rizzo playing every day in New York. I actually really like that, but, you know, will he? I don't know. Um, with Voigt there, I mean, he played over Voigt most games, but uh, I, I really have to go back and dive into the um, uh, you know the lineup tracker and make sure that, you know, if I'm going to be drafting someone as a first baseman, I want to make sure he's playing every day. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be really tough to roster him. So, yeah, I mean, that would definitely kill a lot of Luke Voigt's value because as we've spoken on before, it's not like he can play DH every day with all their injury-prone guys there. So, Yeah, uh, this this would be disastrous <laughs> if Rizzo ends yeah. up. Um, uh, you know, Fortunately, unfortunately, I, I don't know whether or not. I mean, there's going to be a CBA work stoppage coming right. at the beginning of December. I think December 2nd uh, is the official like first day of what would be the next contract uh, for the CBA. So work work's going to stop unless they come to an agreement. It doesn't appear they're going to before then. So the, the question becomes with guys like Rizzo, it's like how many of these guys are going to be able to sign before that work stoppage? Um, and how many of these guys uh, will have trouble finding jobs because the work stoppage may go long enough uh, in which uh, they uh, uh, teams make other plans for the future. So, uh, you know, if you're in early drafts, I would downgrade free agent veterans that aren't like cream of the crop guys, right? You know, I'm not going to downgrade Scherzer, but guys who are like middle tier like Rizzo or, or even lower tier than that, I'm downgrading them in my early, early drafts. Yeah, that is makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Michael Kopech is going to be moving into the rotation, it seems, in Chicago. Uh, he looked really good in some long relief uh, roles this year. Or, or is this a guy that you're going to be targeting as a starter coming into 2022? So I was just looking at his game log, and he went five innings once and four innings once and then three innings a couple of times and then you know the rest of the time was mostly like one to two innings but i mean yeah you you got to take this seriously because there's there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of comparison to freddie peralta in my opinion here like before before they you know put him in the rotation people are kind of doubting like are they actually going to let him go five i don't know the white Sox are a team that really give their starters some length so um i'm not saying he's going to really be a seven eight inning guy I, I don't think he will be but i think they could give him you know five to six innings and he definitely has you know the the talent to be a worthwhile starter now it's hard to like look at his numbers because you know it's mostly as a reliever right like you know 2.7 sierra uh 1.13 whip i expect those numbers to not be nearly that good as a starter but 
Uh, I mean, you know, the guy throws 97. Um, you know, he went up from 94, 95.4 miles an hour to 97.3 uh, from 2018 to 2021, which is a you know three-year jump here. But with when we've seen his stats, I don't expect him to go super deep. You know, he pitched uh, like 72 innings this year. Um, but I think if you can get close to 150 innings from him, you know, depending on where he goes, he could still have value. Yeah, if he is going to be a full-time starter, um, and I uh, and I believe the White Sox would like him to be a full-time starter, um, I could see him having like a Dylan Cease-type breakout this year. Um, and I say Dylan Cease because he is a starter on the White Sox, but also because he was being drafted like outside the top, you know, 70, 80 starters and finishes top 40 guy. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think Kopech has infinitely not infinitely but a ton more talent uh than uh dylan cease does i i, I honestly think that Kopech has the ability to be a, a number one starter uh in fantasy at some point um so uh, unfortunately i think the hype train is gonna just go crazy on michael Kopech. but um you know steamer has him now they haven't projected for only 64 innings because they haven't projected as just a reliever Um, but they haven't projected for a 350 whip in a 113, or sorry, 350 ERA, 113 whip, uh, with a... What are you seeing for Steamer? 350 ERA? Oh, no, sorry, 323. Yeah. uh, ERA, sorry. I I, I was looking at his actual 350 ERA from this season. So, a a 323 ERA, a 113 whip, and... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 110 whip, and then, uh, let's see, a... 34% strikeout rate. Yeah. Um, if you could project 140 innings and he's got those numbers, yeah. we're talking about a top 15 starter. I mean, yeah, it's, it's up there. So yeah, I mean, so, that's why you, you have to be interested. I mean, especially if you build your team such that you've got these horses at the, at the front of your rotation where you can afford to take a guy who's not going to give you that kind of length later, but he's more like an upside play. Like he'd be like your SP, you know, four or so. Uh, I think that would be a great fit. I use the comp of Dylan Cease, but I think your comp of Freddie Peralta um, may be much better because Freddie Peralta started a guy who was going outside the top 300 picks coming into draft season. By the end of it was in the top 150. And I, right. that's what I feel like could happen with Kopech. Absolutely, it could. Um, I do think that he might have to add uh, that 
third pitch back though, like uh, if he can add his 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 change back because like you know Freddie Peralta throws his fastball fifty percent of the time, but then he also throws a change ten percent of the time, a slider twenty six percent of the time, and a curve eleven percent of the time. I think as a starter, you're going to need more than two pitches. Uh, but again, Kopic was he has a curve and a change. He just didn't use them as a reliever, but he can bring them back if he goes back to starting. Yeah, yeah. No, you would definitely need a third pitch, but, I mean, like you said, he, he's got him in his repertoire. He just didn't need him as a starter. So Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, discussion point, um, and that's Jordan Hicks. He's preparing to enter the rotation in 2022. The Cardinals want him to enter the rotation this feels like something that is going – I mean, this feels like every Cardinals offseason we have this with some player, right? I mean, last year it was last Alex Reyes. It's been Carlos Martinez before. Um, I, I don't believe this. I don't buy that this is going to happen uh, full-time. Do you? No. Uh, I, I don't – I think he's preparing for it, like, to give him another option. Uh, but I, I neither think it'll happen, nor do I think it would go particularly well if he does. So um, I'm far less interested in Hicks than I am in Kopic. Yeah, I mean, Hicks has not been able to stay healthy as a reliever. Right. In what right. world is he going to be able to stay healthy as a starter? I mean, I think if he was able to figure it out as a starter and was able to stay healthy, we get to turn off injuries for some, you know, for this season. Um, yeah, right. I think he could be a dominant starter but um I, I don't buy that it's plausible yeah i i don't know that he could be i mean he doesn't really have any off-speed stuff i mean granted i guess he could be like a lance lynn type guy with the sinker and cutter uh combo but um i don't know like you know that he's his velocity was what made him so impressive as a reliever and that's going to go down. I mean, granted, it'll still probably be like 97, 97.5 or something as a starter. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just I don't think he can hold up as a starter. And, uh, you know, he's pitched less than 40 innings over the last three years. So, obviously, that's a huge concern as well. <laughs> I'd love to see what the projections would be as him as a starter. I mean, 100 <laughs> innings? Maybe. Well, Steamer hasn't projected for one inning, but I think they just do that for a lot of guys that they have question marks about. Like, they, they did that with DeGrom also. Yeah, this is why I like the depth charts uh, as opposed to Steamer because it's just prorating Steamer over Fangraph's uh, staff uh, depth chart projections. So Right. Unfortunately, this is all we have out right now. So Yeah, this will change here in a few weeks. But it's, it's interesting. This feels like the earliest Steamer's ever come out. Usually we get a Steamer 600 first. Yeah, and, it does. And then, and then but uh, this year, no Steamer 600 yet. Uh, but we already have Steamer projections. So Twitter was ablaze today. We, got, we had hot takes everywhere. A lot of hot takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jameson Tyon, he's going to be out five to six months. Uh, he's questionable to start the 2022 season. We talked about him, I think it was last week, right? And uh, I was kind yeah. of not really buying it back in. You were in, a little bit interested. Uh, have you changed your tune now? Yeah, I mean, now if, I, if I'm drafting right now, I, I'm I'm less interested for sure. Unless unless it's like a draft and hold league where I can, you know, get him real late and just hold on to him until he comes back and he's healthy. But 
you know, he's not a guy right now being questionable for the start of the season that I would want, you know, on my roster, taking up one of my limited bench slots uh, where I, you know, in leagues that have the IR slot like NFBC. Yeah, and I mean, for those of you who are doing like um, a draft and hold drafts and things like that right now, uh, I would say it is a bad strategy to stash these kind of guys. Because you are going to lose so many people between now and opening day um, just randomly, like, you know, the James Paxton's of the world, even the Suganus of the world, right? We were drafting him coming into draft and holds in November last year, you know, and there's nothing worse than being, you know, in August and not having enough starting pitchers to be competitive in strikeouts and wins. That's a great point. I, I was speaking more like a come March or whatever when you're drafting. You, okay. In draft and holds, you need to draft as many healthy uh, guys who are playing. Like It's basically just a game of who can have the least amount of zeros uh, and, and, and not suck. It's really all you're trying to do to win draft and hold leagues. So, you know, right now I'm not drafting anybody who has any injury question marks about them whatsoever pretty much. Absolutely. Um, then uh, – Ronald Cunha may not be ready to play until May. I mean, this is a guy who I think he went in the back end of the first round uh, in uh, in Arizona, and I've seen him go. Sounds right. I think around like ten somewhere like that. Yeah, and then I and I've seen him go kind of in that spot in other drafts so far. Where do you think he falls if we're not thinking he's going to be able to play until May? Yeah, so we did a on the Toolshed uh, pod. We did we did a two round mock draft, and I ended up taking him at pick seven overall. Uh, that was with the thought that he was going to be back, and he still could be. But um, if I'm drafting right now, there's a couple guys I'm take like Betts went at eight. And I would take him over Acuna right now for sure. Um, but I I think right now he probably falls to like the. Yeah, like the later part of the first round. I think even if he misses a month, I think people are still wow. – I think he's still going to go in the first. Okay, let me rephrase the question. Where would you draft him? Okay. Um, if I'm if, if we're talking like March and he's definitely missing the first month of the season, I'm taking him – I don't know if I'm taking him. Um, but if I do, it would be like late second probably. Okay. Um I think my my answer is very similar. I don't know that I am taking him. I'm probably not taking him. But right. he's not a top two-round pick, and I, I would have to say he's likely not in my top four rounds. Okay. Like, there's just too much. This, this feels like Mike Soroka all over again. Same team. You know, like, this just feels like uh, we think he's going to be back in May. Yeah, but we don't know. Right? Yeah, this is this is the face of their franchise, you know, right. and they'll either come off of winning a World Series or have just lost in the World Series. They're not going to fuck around with this future. I mean, this is this is this is the guy who they hope will they'll be able to ride for like the next ten years. Um, I, I think they're going to take it very slow, be very careful with him, make sure he's completely healthy, uh, and yeah, he is. I have I've got to I'll probably update my outfield ranks here in the next few days, but I can promise you he is not like a top fifteen outfielder for me. Maybe not even top twenty. 
Just that's, I'm, I'm going to be very very risk averse with this one. That's that's very fair. Yeah, I mean obviously that's that's generally what I go to as well. Uh, you know he does have health on his side, and obviously the upside is that you're, you get a top three player. So you know I I take that into consideration as well. Like it doesn't seem to me like the type of injury that would cost him. You know like like that it's going to be a Mike Soroka situation, but it could be. I mean. We did see that with him, um, and he does need his, you know, legs to run too. So obviously, could at the very least hurt him in the stolen base department. So I definitely see that uh, that risk there. Let's say he is back in May. Let's say he's back mid-May, May fifteenth, right? Yeah. Um, do we expect him to be an everyday player? Uh, I would expect him to be eventually. I don't know if he would be right away. Okay. So we're talking about a guy that is, you know, we're going to say he's going to miss six weeks of the season. We don't know. He could miss yeah. none of the season, right? He could miss right. way more. But we're just going to we're just gonna say for this scenario that he's going to miss six weeks of the season. And then for maybe the first month of the season, he's playing four or five days a week. Like, that's a lot of plate appearances you're giving up in the second or third round. And, right. Uh, yeah. I, to me, it just seems like there's too much that can go wrong here. Yeah. I love yeah. the talent. And I mean, I agree. Like if yeah. he was healthy um, or if, if we, if we felt like there was a real chance that he was going to be ready at the start of the season, um, he's, he's a first rounder, right? Yeah. Um, and if he's healthy. He's, he's a top two or three pick. Um, but yeah, I just there's a lot to go wrong here, and I, I'm I'm not going to be holding on to that bag. And you know, you can take guys like you know Luis Robert or you know Cedric yeah. Mullins or even you know Tyler O'Neill. Like, there's other guys out there who might not be as good as Acuna, but we're going to give you close to that, but with much more security and health. And that's generally how I approach things. Is if there's a guy who gives me about what I can – like close to what I can get from someone, I don't care about taking a lesser player if they're, you know, if they're coming into the season healthy compared to someone who's not. And and I want to say, like, I think Acuna is going to get the benefit of the doubt because he's young and because he's talented. But this is the third season out of four seasons in the majors where he's missed time. That's a good point. Yeah. Like – uh, you know, we we don't give the benefit of the doubt to guys who are in their mid to late or in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, when they have missed, you know, large. You know, we're not giving Trout is dropping out of the first round for lots of people, and some people are going to say he shouldn't even be a second round pick um, because he's missed time in the last four seasons. Yeah, but we're we're willing to give Acuna the benefit of the doubt even though we know for a fact he's likely not going to – or not for a fact. We, we're pretty sure he's not going to be ready at the start of the season. Uh, I mean, I, I I understand people are, you know, kind of have their uh, rose-colored glasses on because he, the tools are so amazing. But, I mean, they're not that much more amazing than Mike Trout's. So, like, why are we giving Acuna the benefit of the doubt when we know he's hurt over Mike Trout, who uh, we think uh, – you know, should be healthy coming into the season. Uh, I, I yeah. Um, I think for Trout, it's more the age plus the lack of yeah, steals. Yeah. You know, you're you're getting a more complete player from Acuna that you're not. Like, I'll still take Acuna over Trout to be honest with you, and and that's not that's not really close for me. 
Um, but I don't think I don't expect to have either, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm gonna have either, but I'm definitely taking Trout over Cunha, given what we know now. That could change. Oh, okay. Yeah, know. that's fair. You know, if if we have more information in in March, I may say, oh, he's gonna be ready. You know, second week of April. You know, all systems are go. But right, right. As, as we speak right now, I'm I'm leaning Trout for sure. Okay. Uh, Moving right along to uh, happier subjects, uh, you want to talk about Luis uh, Urias, who changed his mechanics coming in 2021. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. Well, I just saw it in um, Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News, and I thought it was interesting because he was someone who – I was big on Luis Urias in the minors, and then he came to the majors and kind of kind of flopped early on uh, and then kind of got an opportunity this year due to injuries and uh, – you know, it was really actually pretty solid for them for a while. You know, he started to show that, that power um, that, that he had been for a while. And, uh, you know, reading this, it kind of made sense because he changed his mechanics coming into 2021, started squaring up his shoulders and better using his lower half, which helped him get the ball in the air more often and, and have harder contact. So his, uh, his 9.2% barrel rate uh, was a career high at, which was more than double his previous high of 4.4% barrel rate. So, you know, we're talking about a guy who's like super talented in the minors. Um, you know, this guy uh, actually until he got to the, uh, let's see, it was AAA in uh, 2018, but even in 2016 when he was in triple, well, that was, that was a small sample, but until AAA, he had a pretty small K, K rate too. And then when he got to the majors, it was kind of like up to 26%. But then it was back down to twenty percent this year. So um, I'm really kind of I'm kind of bullish on his ability to hit for a decent average and give you some pop. Uh, and he runs a little bit. I mean, he had five steals this year. Um, you know, but he looked more like a ten steals guy in the minors. So I don't know. Um, I just think he's kind of uh, an underrated asset and a guy who I believe should be eligible at second, short, and third base this year. So. Uh, I think he's a guy who is a sneaky value, assuming he gets, you know, that third base job or or, or any starting job with the Brewers. I think I'd be in for this year. Um, I think he'd be in a lot of my lineups, a lot of my teams. Yeah, no reason to think he won't be their starting third baseman. Um, and I, I mean, I think he's got pretty good contact skills. And he, like you said, he that was really kind of his calling card coming up through the minor leagues was. He was a guy who was going to make a ton of contact. We didn't know how much power he was going to have, but um, the power piece has come at, at the cost of a little bit of contact. Uh, but it, it's it's a nice little combination he has there, uh, and I like that. I like that uh, Milwaukee lineup. I think they will give him kind of free run, and I love the multi-position eligibility. He's definitely a guy that I'm going to be targeting uh, in drafts in 2022, just because of that multi-position eligibility and the part that he plays in. Yeah, yeah, and so with uh, knowing that he changed his mechanics, it kind of legitimizes that that growth. Not that guys can't just have that growth. You know, it was like his uh, third season, I think. Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, well, he had some part like like very small sample earlier, but yeah, it was pretty much like his third, uh, and it was his first full season too. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot to believe in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm just bringing up Steamer's projections on him. Uh, they have him 252, 12 home runs, four stolen bases. 
In only 374 plate appearances, though. I was just about to say, only 89 games. Uh, I think he's going to beat a lot of that. Uh, Yeah. So. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, you know, if we kind of prorate that out to a full season, you know, he's looking at, you know, 19 or 20 home runs, seven stolen bases. Um, I, I like that. I'll be interested would, to see where he goes in drafts. I mean, he had 23 homers this year. I think I think you you put him down for at least 20 and, and say that he can hit more than that. So, And I definitely think that he's going to improve on that 249 average from this year too. Um, yeah, you know, I don't care too much about Steamer's uh, plate appearance, innings pitched projections because – some of them are way too bullish, and some of them are you know they're just they're just not very good at projecting playing time, especially this early, uh, where I'm just I, I'm I'm looking more for skills. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, Keston Hira had a procedure to clean up his elbow. Uh, there's some talk that he could move into the outfield and kind of become like a super utility guy uh, with the Brewers as well. I, I know there are. We have a friend in Mike Curland who's not ready to give up on Castanera yet. Uh, I don't think I'm ready to give up on him either. He's he's a bit too talented, I think. Uh, you know, to kind of give up on him. Where are you at on Castanera? Uh, he he's the guy who, as long as I'm not drafting him where I have to count on him, it's fine. You know, if you want to, I mean, I don't know that he'll have a place to play next year, but if if he does, um, he could be. He could be an option. Um, I definitely wouldn't want him on a draft and hold. I, I want to make sure I'm filling those slots with guys who I'm going to be able to play regularly. But in a in a fab league where I can drop him and pick someone else up, sure. Um, I think it's probably more likely that whoever drafts him is going to end up dropping him, and then like maybe late in the year he he finally gets some playing time and starts showing some value, and that's when someone's going to pick him up for cheap, and and uh, they're going to be the ones who reap the benefits of him. Yeah, part of the problem is I don't know where he plays full time. Yeah, um, I mean, unless he turns back into the guy that he was prior to falling apart this year. I mean, they still have Lorenzo Kane under contract. They still have Roddy Telez under contract. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, they have Tyrone Taylor, who who was a real interesting guy for them in the outfield as well. So I don't know that. I mean, he needs to become an outfielder to find playing time because there's no room on the infield right now. Even the um, I mean, outfield's pretty crowded too. I mean, Avi wasn't even playing every day, so. Uh, I think I think Avi is a free agent, I believe. Okay. Um, but they, you know, but they're still locked into that atrocious Jackie Bradley Jr. contract. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean, if he wasn't a good enough defender at first and second, 
you know, what's he going to look like out in the outfield? Good point. You know, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not giving up on him. I mean, they, DH is coming, right? You know, or at least we believe the DH is coming. We to believe. The National League. So, yeah. like, maybe that, maybe he ends up becoming the DH or Telez becomes the DH and he can play first. Um, but, yeah, right now, I, I don't know that I, I – there's no draft I'm taking in, him in right this minute. Because, like you said, the draft and holds right – if you're drafting right this minute, you need guys who are going to get plate appearances. And I don't know where those plate appearances are coming from with a guy like Hira. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, if you just think about it, like if he doesn't have – I mean, unless they give him a spot. Let, let's assume they don't give him a spot going into the regular season. Like how – holding him – on your roster is going to be so difficult because there's going to be people you're going to want to pick up after the first week. So, you know, cause you're going to, you're going to have, you know, there's going to be guys who are starting to break out. You're going to see some metrics that look interesting and you're going to go, Oh, I want to pick them up. And then you've got Kesson here who might've played one game for you that week. So you don't even, you have no idea what he's going to be or whatever. Like I, it just feels like he's going to frustrate you. And I just don't think I'm in on the talent enough to want to do that in those types of leagues. Absolutely. Uh, Kyle Farmer played uh, in the second half through a sports hernia injury. Uh, why do we care about this, Dave? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that we do. I mean, because he still he, he actually kept playing pretty pretty solid baseball through that. But I guess it just uh, shows even more that uh, you know the guy's kind of a legitimate hitter now. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of torn between whether he's going to be over or undervalued next year. Maybe he'll be correctly valued. I don't know because he obviously had that big streak where he was like on fire, and I don't know if that's going to stick in people's minds. But, but you know, he had an end of the year with 16 homers, hit 263, um, and he's eligible at oh wow, only shortstop. Okay, uh, he played at five different positions, but the only position he's going to be eligible going into next year is going to be shortstop. So. Uh, at least in 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 leagues that are twenty games for eligibility, uh, you know Yahoo will probably have him eligible at one, two, three, four, five positions. Um, where he was actually eligible at catcher for this year, which is really interesting, uh, mm-hmm. despite despite playing zero games. Well, catcher. because he, because didn't Yahoo like everybody retained yeah. their eligibility from twenty nineteen? Uh, yeah, I think that's he was he was the backup catcher in twenty nineteen. Yeah, exactly. So that was it. Was really it was really interesting because he had 15 games at catcher in 2019. Uh, I don't know what their threshold is if it's five or ten or whatever, but um, yeah. So no more no more catcher Kyle Farmer this year, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy. Um, if you need a, a late middle infield guy just to just to throw on there, if he if he looks like he's going to be starting for them, I don't know, um, but. He's uh, he was he was better, much better than expected. Yeah, I I would be. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be super surprised. What's Jose Garcia's new name? I can't remember. Um, oh, yeah. uh, Barrero. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Jose Barrero. Uh, I mean, I think there's a chance he could be up uh, and challenging for playing time uh, next year. I, I just don't know that Cal Farmer's interesting enough to even. Yeah discuss at this point yeah I, I'm, I'm not gonna be i mean he's he's a guy in a draft and hold who's interesting late because he could play and because he can play so many different positions he'll he'll rack up weird plate appearances week in and week out yeah i i think he actually would be a guy who you can take late in a draft and hold and, and get some value out of uh speaking of sports hernias 
Uh, apparently, DJ LeMahieu played through a sports hernia as well. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with uh, all these players getting these hernias uh, issues, but um, you know, wear a jockstrap, guys. Uh, anyways, uh, does this uh, make you feel more inclined to uh, to buy on a buyback? It actually does. Yeah, we talked about him on the last pod, and I I think I'm just getting talked more and more into DJ LeMahieu. Like, I love guys that I can get a little later who can really help boost my my team average like that, like, you know, Michael Brantley, but there's just not that many of them. Um, and I forget what his uh, eligibility is coming into this year. First, second, and third. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Um I'm almost afraid that he's going to be a guy who actually gets a lot of, like, ironically, gets a lot of helium despite having a really off year. Just those guys with those, you know, three multi-position eligibility uh, added into the fact that, you know, he was playing injured and, you know, he's he's on a good offense. And the Yankees kept putting him in there every day pretty much and, and playing him at leadoff a lot too. So, um, and uh, I don't know if we'll get to it or not, but Masters Ball has him ranked as their 48th best hitter. So, uh, a little higher. I mean, only four spots behind Story. So, um, I mean, for whatever that's worth. But I, I do think that uh, he'll find his way in some of my teams next year. Yeah, I mean, he's already on my only team I've drafted so far this year, uh, and that's because I took him in the Arizona Fall League draft. Um, so uh, I, I was already on board. Uh, I, I feel like people are just gonna push him down way too far. Uh, though, I mean, if guys like Todd, and Todd's a really smart guy over at Masters Ball, um, yeah. you know, ranking 48th, maybe he won't be falling as far as I thought. But, uh, yeah, definitely a guy I'm going to target, especially in my early drafts, uh, you know, as a guy. Multi-position eligible, like you said, the batting average piece is huge uh, late um, and, you know, still hitting Yankee Stadium in a good lineup, you know, high up in that, you know, really good lineup. So I, I like Lemayu a lot. All right, let's uh let's talk about our hits, right? We talked about our misses last week. Uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that I think one of the, one of the you know few things uh, or one of the things that the industry does not do well as a whole is kind of taking your L's. So we took our L's last week, right? So this week we're taking our victory laps, which you and I are very <laughs> good at doing. So <laughs> I don't know what that. So why don't you go ahead and start off with your catcher? Who's your catcher victory lap? I mean, it's just it's the guy that I, I had pretty much more shares of than everybody, and that's Sal Perez, uh, which was definitely the guy to have this year. Um, for me, it was it was it was Sal Perez in like eighty percent of my leagues, and then where I needed a catcher too, uh, I pretty much missed on everybody. So, um, really, just goes to show it's kind of like closers. Those I, I'm really getting more and more towards wanting to invest in early catchers again, um, especially with hopefully an LDH this year, but um, yeah, Selper has saved a lot of my offenses this year. Uh, just mega season. And uh, I, I don't expect that again, but I do expect a very good hitter, maybe 35 homers and playing every day, which uh, assuming he can stay healthy um, is huge at the catcher position. I mean, I was looking at like his RBI he's like 120 RBI or whatever this year. I mean, he literally has close to 100 RBI more than a lot of people's catchers too. So think about that kind of difference there and, and, and how that affects your team. And uh, that's what he did for me this year. Yeah. I mean, he was huge. He was this guy. I think he was my miss last week. Uh, I wish I had gotten it. 
uh, some more uh, more shares of uh, Sal Perez. Uh, my hits um, are guys that are a little bit lower on the totem pole, uh, but both finished as top 10 catchers. Uh, I was really big on Buster Posey and Tyler Stevenson coming into the year. Uh, yeah. Both both are guys you were getting super late uh, as your catcher twos, um, even paired them on a couple leagues. Uh, you know, Posey was coming off of the year off, right? I mean, right. And, um, you know, but the thing that had kind of derailed Posey's career, if you want to say it gotten derailed, uh, was injuries. It was nagging injuries. It was catcher injuries, right? He caught a lot of games, um, you know, between the regular season and the postseason. He got nicked up. Uh, it really left him unable to tap into his power or hit for a batting average in the way that he had early on in his career. And I felt like, the you know, the season off could help rejuvenate him. It did. Uh, and he was able to stay healthy all season long, which is huge. The Giants are protecting him in a way uh, that they haven't protected him in the past. So he's not going to rack up the Sal Perez type of, uh, uh, type of uh, at-bats. Though, with a DH, he could this year be a guy who gets more plate appearances than he did in 2021. Uh, as uh, they will likely have him as one of their best hitters uh, uh, available to DH when he's not catching. So I'm, I'll, I'll be going back to the well on Posey because uh, I think some people are going to try to, uh, uh, especially those who really buy into three-year averages, um, are really going to regress in probably too far in their projections. Uh, and then Stevenson, I mean, he's a guy that I, I first saw at the Arizona Fall League in 2019. Really, really loved what I saw. Uh, just, you know, really needed the opportunity, got more of an opportunity this year, but I think he'll get an even bigger opportunity next year. So, again, I'll, another guy I'm going to be going back to Lon because uh, he can DH, and they also don't have Tucker Barnhart coming back uh, unless they re-sign him. So uh, oh. I, think there's, I think Tyler Stevenson is in for a massive year this is coming up in 2022. Okay. Um I was just looking at Tyler Stevenson because I, I, I remembered he didn't play enough for me to really feel like he was a big hit. I mean, he hit 286, 10 homers, 56 runs, 45 RBI. Very solid, especially for a catcher, too. Um, but I feel like he was only playing like two to three days a week a lot of times. So, especially um, early on in the season because Tony yeah. Barnard started off so hot. Right, right, yeah, and Barnhart, you know, they, they leaned on him a lot as a defensive catcher. Do you not do you not think that since he would bring someone else in? I mean, is is Stevenson that kind of defensive? I, I have no idea. I didn't think he no, was. No, no, he he's definitely improved his defense. His defense was the main issue with why uh, he wasn't brought up as quickly as people thought he probably should be brought up. Um, but he worked. He's worked a lot on it. He's gotten a lot better. He's definitely not a defensive wizard by any stretch, and I do expect them to bring someone else in uh, yeah, to handle right. some of the defensive catching. But I also think he's a guy who could find himself as the DH when he's not catching and have like you know a big season, uh, you know the the Austin Nola type season where you know he ends up getting uh, you know 140 games played because he's able to DH in like you know 60 of them or something. Yeah, I was gonna say he'll 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 probably get a good amount of the DH, but they definitely have other guys that they're going to need to play there as well. Cause I mean, everyone from, I mean, Winker, they're definitely going to want to take advantage of him at DH. Uh, you know, I don't know what their plan is for third base with, if they're going to let Suarez plays start there again or not. And, you know, they've got Mustakas. If he ever stays healthy, you know, they got Akiyama, uh, Aquino. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it'll definitely help him a lot. And I, I would still love him as a C2 next year. 
let's uh, talk about first base. Where's your big miss there? Are we oh, doing sorry, the- uh, big hit. Your big hit. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I would I would say I didn't have a, as much Vado as I would have liked, but I did have several shares. And uh, Goldschmidt was the other one. Like if I was going early. At first base, Goldschmidt was my target. Uh, if I was going late, it would be like mostly Votto, um, you know, with with uh, Mount Castle sprinkled in there. He actually ended up pretty doing pretty well overall too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, real rough start, but uh, and Mancini as well was another guy that I had some shares of. But yeah, Goldie and Votto were my were my two big hits this year. And uh, you know, those those veterans that people kind of discount. Um, you know they're they're still they're still good, man. Yeah, uh, on that same kind of thought process, my my big hit at first base was Max Muncy. Um, okay, and it was largely because everybody overinflated the twenty twenty small sample, right. right? And and here's one of the, one of the spots where the playoffs did matter, right? Because what happened in the playoffs in twenty twenty is Max Muncy was Max Muncy. You know, and it kind of yeah. it gave me the ability to go, oh, okay. You know, he's he's actually fine. Like he's just gotten unlucky in the you know twenty twenty regular season. Um, and I took a bunch of him, especially because he was first, second, and third eligible uh, in a bunch of you know I had him both my main event teams. I had a bunch of leagues, uh, and he definitely helped me profit in the in the leagues where I uh, where I won or, or, or cash. So uh, Max Muncy. He's my dude. I hope he's healthy heading in to 2022. That that's the only scary part because I think he will continue to be uh, just a really really solid first baseman uh, and also eligible at second and third. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, and you know, guys with his contact profile, they're just they're gonna have those streaks. You know, they're gonna have those big hot streaks and cold streaks. And he he did that as well this year. Like he was his first half was ridiculous. I mean, he was looking like an MVP candidate for a while, and then he he kind of faded hard down the stretch. But you know, when when you're when you have that contact profile, you're gonna have those stretches. And that's why when you looked at the 2020 stats, you can't look you couldn't take it that take that much uh you know, it, it didn't matter because he just was on a cold streak. If the season had kept going, he would have eventually hit a hot streak and it would have evened out most likely. So, you know, it's good of you to identify that. I, I ended up with him uh, one share I had of Muncie in, in Glarf where I won the overall. So, obviously, he, he helped me a lot there. As as an OBP guy, really good OBP yeah, guy yeah. with all those multi-positional eligibility, you know, it, it was he was a great value for me there. 
What about second base? Where's your bigs hit there? Second base, if I was going early, it would uh, I, I hit on Altuve. Uh, late guys that I liked um, were were Jazz, who also had shortstop eligibility, Jazz Chisholm, and then uh, Ty France, who was also I think first and third eligible. I can't remember <laughs> first and second or first, second, and third. I don't, but yeah, he was Ty France is a guy who I was on the previous in 2020 because I was hoping that he would be as a catcher eligible player that he would get the playing time, but he didn't really until late in the season. And then when he got traded to Seattle, I was like, oh, man, now he can finally get that playing time. And uh, they played him every day, like hit him like third to fifth. Uh, it was it was great for how late I got him. It was um, He was uh, he was a key cog for me this year. Are you going to be going back to well on him? Do you think there's some more growth potential? It depends. I mean, I, I do like him still. Um I don't know that he has the upside to do a whole lot more. Like, I don't think he's some massive home run guy, but I think he's got contact skills, and uh, I think a lot of his value is derived from getting those runs and RBIs by playing every day in in good lineup slots. So, uh, you know, I mean, you got you got a guy who can hit like you know two ninety with twenty homers, or maybe even like two eighty, two eighty five. That's fun too. With uh, you know eighty five runs and RBI. Um, it just all depends on where I can get him. So it uh, looks like he's going to be eligible. He barely kept second base eligibility, so he'll be first and second next year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see myself with him again if he goes at a decent slot. All right. Um, man, I, there were a number of hits at second base for me. I mean, I was a big Marcus Simeon guy. Um, there were a lot of had, people uh, weird. Uh, there were a lot of people weirdly fading Ozzy Albies. Um, coming into the season, uh, and I think all of those people should eat some crow. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, those were also two guys going up, you know, fairly high in drafts. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I think the one I want, or the, the two I'll, I'll kind of point out, Jonathan Scope. Um, people just fade old guys. Uh, and Jonathan Scope, you know, full-time playing time, he just always produces. He... he I mean, he's what Ty France probably should turn into um, at some point. Is is just a guy you know he's going to hit you know twenty home runs, going to have a decent average. He's going to rack up some runs in RBIs um, and be woefully undervalued coming into drafts. Um, and the fact he picked up first base eligibility this year was great. Uh, but I mean, Jonathan Scope will just continue to be one of those guys that uh, everybody underrates because he's not like a sexy guy. Uh, but really, at the end of the year, he just produces money for your fantasy teams. Um, and then the other one uh, it was Ryan McMahon, um, another guy triple eligible coming into the season. Uh, you know, I saw the path of playing time. Uh, he played very well. Definitely struggled at times as well too. I'll be interested to see where he goes in drafts because I don't think he's going to be overrated considering how he kind of finished the year. Yeah, um, McMahon's tough to read. I, I don't know where I'll be with him. But Scope is a guy I had a couple shares of as well, and I agree. He he was extremely overlooked, and I think I think that's the thing is you can later you want to look at those bad offenses later in the draft because a lot of those guys, you know, Marlins, Tigers, you know, Mariners, a lot of those guys get so overlooked, um, and Scope was so solid. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the couple shares I had of him because you got him so late. Yeah, and not only do those guys get overrated – 
uh, or sorry, overlooked uh, because they're on bad teams. You know, people don't take into account that hey, players on bad teams play. Like they yeah. play every day. Like there was right. never any competition for Jonathan Scope's playing time. Um, and sometimes it's you know yes yeah maybe their runs and RBIs suffer because the team around them isn't that great. But guys like Jonathan Scope, uh, Adam Frazier was another huge example of a guy who just was a huge boon for me uh, and I know for a lot of people because he was on a bad team. You knew he was going to play every day. Right. Um, you know, targeting those guys, I think, is uh, kind of an underrated and under-talked about asset in this industry. Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody wants guys who play every day and are in good offenses, but, you know, those guys are typically the guys who go in the first, you know, six rounds. So when you're talking about rounds 15 through 25, you know, you're – You'd rather get the guy who's on a bad offense and playing every day in like a three to five slot uh, than a guy in a good offense who you have no idea how much he's going to play. Yeah. What about shortstop? Where's your big hits there? So as I, as I mentioned, it was a big part of my strategy last year to get shortstop early in the first three rounds. So, um, you know, I didn't I didn't really have any late guys that I that I had because it was all early. So I you know Trey Turner and Tim Anderson were two guys who I had in a lot of teams last year. So. Um, both very good once again. So uh, no complaints with that strategy. The short, the early shortstops were, were really good. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was right there with you. I, I went after a lot of the early shortstops, uh, guys that went late that I um, ended up grabbing as MIs. You know, Willie Thomas. I've always been a big Willie Thomas guy. I continue to do that as well. Uh, Ahmed Rosario was a guy who, um, you know, I got some late in some drafts. Uh, that turned out uh, a pretty decent profit uh, at the end of the year, uh, in spite of the fact that he kind of struggled early on. Um, I wish I could say that I was on Brandon Crawford, but I don't know any. I don't think Brandon Crawford was drafting Brandon Crawford in league. So, uh, but you know, I already mentioned Marcus Simeon. I don't know if there's much more than that. So I don't, I, I'm assuming these hits are just draft because I, I had Crawford and I picked up Crawford in several leagues, but I didn't. No, I, you you can you can talk about that. What did you oh, identify okay. with with Crawford that made you want to pick him up? Because I can't. I mean, I was watching him every night, and I still couldn't figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, uh, I I it was a while ago, but something about he changed his swing, and then later I saw an article about it. Um. Anytime I see some kind of change, it, it can give me like reason for hope that there's actually like legitimizes their their new approach and that maybe this could stick at least for the season. And so, yeah, just looking at him, like the metrics were better. Um, you know, this you kind of keep an eye on the metrics, but you know, early on it could be just small sample or whatever. But he's playing every day, and I needed someone to throw in. You know, especially in my super league where I had just injuries everywhere from the start. You know, including Tatis. Uh, so I was looking for a shortstop and, you know, I, I had jazz, but, um, I needed a middle infielder and, um, Crawford was out there and I, you know, I was like, well, Hey, you know, he's, he's hitting the ball. Well, it looks like he might've changed his stance and that's why. So I picked him up just because I needed a guy. And then once I had him, uh, instead of just dropping him again, I kind of looked into things and was like, okay, should I hold him? And it was like, yeah, I think I should. And then. Obviously, just became, he just became an obvious hold from there on and in, um, and I ha- I picked him up in I don't know three or four leagues. So he was he actually ended up being huge for me this year. Right. But I didn't draft I didn't draft him. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody. I I drafted him. Funny enough, in two DCs. Oh, nice. Um, just because I was like, um, 
I have I need a shortstop who's going to play. Yeah, uh, and I, we knew like Crawford as long as he was healthy he was going to play every day at shortstop for the Giants. Yeah, um, great those, I mean, ended up you know working out great for me, but it wasn't because I was targeting him. It was like, oh, this is the last shortstop that's going to play every day that's available. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anytime a guy is a really good defensive player, you can re- you feel better about their chances to keep a lineup slot because even when they're cold, you yep. pretty much have to leave them in. Yep, Matt Chapman. Uh, speaking of <laughs> which, let's move to third base. Where were your big hits at third base? Yeah, no Matt Chapman for me, thank God. Um, so I only had one or two shares of my boy J Ram, but man, that guy just never disappoints. I mean, like he's 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 never someone that people are super excited to draft, but the guy just produces every year. Like he's, I don't know if you can come any safer than J Ram. I mean, maybe Trey Turner, but uh, yeah, I mean, just just awesome when when it, when I do have him. Um, I actually paired two different Trey Turner teams with with Manny Machado. Then in the second. Um, I, I really like that pairing. Um, and, uh, so I had Machado on several teams and then I also had, uh, Austin Riley on a bunch of teams as well. So, um, it was, it was a situation where even though I knew he was going to start the season hitting seventh, I was just super bullish on him. Uh, I thought he was going to have a huge breakout year and, and he did. Um, he was, uh, he was pretty awesome. Um, had him in, uh, maybe three or four leagues, which for me is, is a bigger, uh, portion than for a lot of you who play like 50 leagues. <laughs> hey, I have not done a draft since we got back from uh, from Arizona, and I know it's only been a week, but that's saying something. Congratulations. <laughs> well, and I, I'm actually, the more and more I think about it, the less likely I feel like I'm going to be to jumping in some of these early drafts when we don't know what the CBA situation is going to look like, so... Uh, I, I may, we'll, I may pair. We'll see. We'll see. As as your wife is DMing me about how you're full of shit and you're going to be in like seventy leagues with Zach, nope. and I mean, peer pressure and then all that. We'll we'll see. We'll see. No, I think I'll be fine. Uh, we'll see though. Like you said, <laughs> um, I, I was big on Jose Ramirez, Devers, Machado. Uh, you know, those were those guys I was definitely targeting early. Um, a guy that I got in some late drafts that ended up uh, turning. Uh, a good amount of profit, especially early on in the season, um, when you you know you you first kind of banked it was Isaiah Kiner Falefa, um, wow. you know, and it was just because he was going to play every day, uh, and I had an argument with with Paul uh, for um, actually on the ITL podcast uh, prior to the start of the season, we were talking about him because he was still catcher eligible in Yahoo. Oh um, yeah. And I was like, this guy's going to end up being like a top 10 catcher. Absolutely. Um, and he yeah, yeah. And he was fifth or sixth in terms of catchers on Yahoo. Um, you know, stole a bunch of bases. Uh, you know, again, you know, I don't think he's a very good baseball player necessarily, but the right. Rangers really like him. Yeah, um, they do. And so, like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a guy who's going to light the world on fire at any point. Uh, like, I know he's going to play every day. Um, and he's got speed, which is always useful. And you were able to get him outside the top 250 picks, which is great to get a guy who can see some bases outside the top 250. So uh, thank you, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I appreciate you uh, helping out a bunch of my fantasy teams this year. I had a couple shares as well. Um, but unfortunately, well, I didn't have him in, in the leagues where, like Yahoo, where he was catcher eligible, but that was because I was making damn sure when in a one-catcher league like that where – 
uh, every day they play, like you can make daily changes. I wanted an everyday catcher because I didn't want to have to carry several catchers and guess who was going to play which day. So th in those leagues, I made sure to get Sal Perez in every one of them. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the outfield. Uh, I'll go first here because we all know what I'm going to say, and that Cedric Mullins is a god, and nobody should ever question anything I ever say again because I, no one was <laughs> Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> uh, no, but, I mean, Cedric Mullins might do. I mean, there was definitely a bunch of other guys. You know, I was big on Kyle Tucker. Uh, I think it was Zach who was saying, like, hey, let's uh, let's forget that I was fading Kyle Tucker coming in the year. But uh, Kyle Tucker was one of my guys. But, I mean, you know, uh, there's going to be no bigger win for me probably in my entire career of doing this uh, fantasy <laughs> stuff than, than Cedric Mullins. I bought the jersey, uh, wore it this weekend, uh, and uh, I, I love that, dude. Yeah, um, I I had no Mullins, which sucks because I had all the Mullins in 2020, unfortunately. So, um, you know, the guy I absolutely loved. And then I, I wanted him this year, too. I just never got him. Um, I don't know if he got some late helium or whatever happened, but uh, he kept going before I was even looking to take him early, and he still kept going before me. So, uh, I mean, even in the leagues, not with you and them. So, obviously, with you and them, obviously, I can see why I didn't get him. But, uh um, I would have to say probably my biggest hit in terms of guys that I had the most were probably Mitch Hanniger and Avisail Garcia. Um, Garcia was a little frustrating at times because they would never really play him every day, but he still produced. Like The guy was still really, really good. And I'm actually looking forward to him going to a different team next year, hoping that he'll actually get everyday playing time. But uh, Mitch Hanniger was just awesome. Um, I was hoping – he would go back to running a little bit, but he didn't, but he made up for that with his power. Uh, so he was, yeah, he was just phenomenal this year. And I also got some late shares of uh, Benintendi as a uh, post-type guy. You know, everyone was kind of down on him. And once I saw that, it looked like he was going to be hitting second. And he, he he didn't hit second the whole year, but he stayed up in that top half of the lineup. And uh, he had a really solid year in Kansas City. And uh, – and then uh, Brian Reynolds, who we talked about a little bit last week. Uh, he was your miss. Um, yeah, I, I, I had uh, several shares of Brian Reynolds as well, and he was he was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I wish I'd gotten more Brian Reynolds. I wish I'd gotten more of Mitch Hanniger. I just, I mean, the injuries scare the hell out of me. Where are you, or are you going to be targeting Mitch Hanniger if he's, like, say, a fourth rounder? Because I no. feel like that's where he's no. going to go. No, fourth round, really? Wow, no. I mean – He's pretty damn good. He is good, but he's he's a power guy. Like he doesn't give me any speed, and he's not like going to hit close to three hundred. So if all I'm getting from a guy's power, there's zero percent chance that I'm taking him in the first four rounds. I'm going to see if I can uh, pull up uh, our draft um, and see where he went, but it's probably going to take me longer. All right, folks, it'll be about a half an hour. So if you want to yeah. go uh, grab grab a drink, you know, maybe go to the bathroom, come back. Just will probably be done. Figuring out where he went in the draft by that point. We need we need, what we need is we need the Jeopardy sound going during this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to buy one of those machines that Govier and, and Curlin have the, the <laughs> pump in music. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to find it. We'll find out where he's going. Right <laughs> A good host would already have that ready, Justin. Yeah, I'm um, not. <laughs> I will say <laughs> I will say I'm very certain he didn't go in the first four rounds because I. I had him circled at one point where I was thinking about taking him coming up, so I know it couldn't have been earlier than, like, I feel like it was, like, the sixth, maybe, maybe even later. I don't know. But I'm uh, I'm 
pretty damn sure it wasn't the fourth or even fifth. But yeah, I can't find it. I'm I'm moving on. What about starting pitcher? <laughs> oh man, um, starting pitcher. All right, so I had a lot of misses as we discussed last week, but I also had a lot of hits. Thank God. Um, the guys who I was looking at early were like, or at least who I got based on where I was drafting, uh, were Beeler, Woodruff, Morton, Zach Wheeler, and Kevin Gaussman. Um, all of them had phenomenal years, and uh, all of them were guys that I that I really really wanted. Especially like Woodruff and Wheeler were guys and Gaussman, who I pretty much tried to get on every team that I could. Um, Morton and Beeler, I got less of. Obviously, Beeler depends on where you're drafting from. Unfortunately, I had a lot of draft slots that were late in the first, so he was like usually um, my second rounder on the comeback when he was available, and uh, you know, just so solid. Um, when we're talking about later guys to hit on, and this is really where you make that money: uh, Trevor Rogers, Dylan Cease. Pablo Lopez and Robbie Ray. I actually had in a couple of leagues as well. So um, Phil and I were there was there weren't a whole lot of pitchers that I was on with Phil on, but we both agreed on Robbie Ray, and uh, he got him like everywhere. I only got him on like two or three teams, but uh, I was still uh, very pleased with where I got him. Obviously, so uh, and uh, Trevor Rogers is just a guy who I I love. Um, so yeah, did did pretty well with the starters. Um, I had a mix. I had a mix of of big hits and big misses in the starters. I think we a lot of us had uh, a lot of those big hits, big misses. Uh, Hanniger went in the tenth round of that draft, so yeah, that's much lower than I thought. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my hits. Uh, I mean, I talked about Julio Urias earlier. Uh, you know, I was a big Corbin Burns guy. I was the one who got made fun of in our Battle of the Podcast draft. For taking him in the fourth round, uh, that doesn't really? seem like. Yeah, people did not like me taking him in the fourth round. Um, uh, I liked. I was a big guy on Jose Barrios. Um, I was big on Frankie Montas and Chris Bassett. Uh, you know, um, so uh, oh, Anthony Descalfani was another guy that I was kind of big on going late. Uh, you know, love those Giants reclamation projects. So. Uh, love those guys. Uh, a lot of those guys are going to be going back to well. And Chris Bassett still seems like he is going to be underrated heading into 2022. I, I don't. I think I don't know if it's the fact that he got hurt at the end of the year yeah. is kind of, or if it's being on the A's. I don't know why everybody hates Chris Bassett, but he's still going lower uh, in drafts than I thought he would be. I, I think he just he doesn't have he doesn't carry the cachet of that like legit ace. I think people don't really think of him as that good of a pitcher. And, yeah, obviously uh, the late season injury, I think, really kind of um, lowered his draft cost. So he could he could be a really good value next year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I don't think people ever really completely bought into him as, like, a, a really good starter. I think they thought of him as, like, you know, uh, maybe like an SP4 or 5 or something like that. But I, I think um, – I think he's he's very interesting at probably uh, a lower draft cost. Yeah, I wonder. If, I mean, I wonder if because he he's guy who has this kind of um, workhorse mentality that people go, oh, he's you know. But I mean, he got up over a strikeout in an inning this year. Like, I mean, he yeah. was he was much more than just a workhorse, um, and you know, he's now coming off a you know pretty much fourth great season in a row. Uh, at some point, we just have to give him, you know, some credit for just being a really good pitcher. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, And pitching no, I, I, in a fantastic ballpark. Right, right. No, I, I agree. I think he's uh, pretty solid. I mean, granted... Uh, you know his Sierra numbers don't look don't look great, but um, you know he could be one of those guys who just outpitches his peripherals every year. So um, I mean he's done it now for four straight seasons. So yeah. uh, and he actually even two the two seasons before that, other than the 2016 where he was just hurt. So yeah, pretty much every year he's outpitched his peripherals. So I would say uh, you could probably bank on that continuing. Yeah, I I think I will. Uh, let's finish out with relief pitcher. Uh, there are a lot of misses for me in, in relief pitcher, but a few hits. What about you? Where, where are your hits? Um, I, like I said last week, fortunately for me, this was pretty much all hits for me. So I, I had a shit ton of Hendricks. I had Hendricks on like 80% of my teams. Um, I also had Ian Kennedy was my favorite late guy. So I had him on a lot of teams and my other favorite late guy was uh, McGee. So the three of them I had, I'm just pretty much. Uh, most of my teams, and then I had some sprinkled in some Iglesias, Aroldis, and even a, a nearest or share or two in there as well. So uh, closer was was very good to me this year. Yeah, closer was not very good to me this year. The guys I hit on were guys who I took early, and one of the reasons why I talked about, you know, I don't I don't do the don't pay for saves moniker, um, right? Because I, it's just so hard to pick the late guys. So. Uh, you know, a lot of Liam Hendricks, a lot of, uh, you know, um, Aroldis Chapman, a lot of uh, Josh Hader this year for me. I was willing to take those three guys. I'll still be able to be willing to take kind of those top end guys heading in 2022 for sure. I just, you know, I don't want to fuck around with it. No, and you really you really shouldn't unless you have a lot of confidence for whatever reason in, in getting a guy a little later, but even then you have to make sure you take him early enough to like guarantee you get that guy then. Um, but the, I, I will always be taking one of the top closers and, and top according to what I think of the top, not according to necessarily what the market thinks. But now McGee being the Giants closer, were you in on, on him at all or were you? Uh, no, no, because I, did, I didn't believe that okay. Kapler would pick a guy. Um, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, I missed on the – I was joking. I was like, I did really well on closers, but I sucked at guessing who the what the Indians were going to do. Like, I I was not on Class A whatsoever. I knew it wasn't Karen Shack, um, but I I thought it was I thought they would go to Wickerin, and boy, did he have a horrible year. Uh, emphasis yeah, on horror because that guy just wrecked me this year. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, 
thankfully you could drop him, but in my drafting holes, I kept throwing him in as like a reliever when I needed a guy, and he kept getting blown up. It was just the worst. So, yeah, uh, yeah I guess we just didn't have a great read on our own teams this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of the issue was I knew how much uh, Kapler liked Tyler yeah. Rogers. And so, yeah. like, I, you know, I really thought – and he did tr- keep trying to go back to Tyler Rogers throughout the year um, with kind of varied success. Uh, but, I mean, McGee was just dominant um, before getting hurt. It would be interesting to see what they do in 2022 because I think a lot of people are going to want to go and draft Duvall. We saw Duvall go, I think, in the eighth round of our draft uh, in Arizona – um, if he's going in the eighth round, I'll I'll be drafting McGee in the seventeenth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out of that, so no, yeah, it's and like you said, they could always go back to Rogers at any time too. It's just there's there's too many guys there. I mean, it certainly looked like Duvall was their most trusted reliever, but I could easily see them reverting next year. And uh, I think with McGee, it looked like when he was I don't know what the mile per I think it was when he was at ninety five. He was like basically untouchable, but then when he was down to ninety four, I think he was getting smacked around a bit. So we'll have to see where he's sitting uh, come spring. Absolutely. All right, uh, you know that I, we didn't go into too uh, you know too much depth with those. Uh, I think it's a little boring to to take too many victory laps, but uh, had to give ourselves a little pat on the back for some of the calls we got right in twenty twenty two or in twenty twenty one. But let's talk about twenty twenty two and the steamer projections because, I mean, it's the first projection system we get to really see, um, right. at least that that are widely publicly available, right? I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Todd Zola over at Masters Ball has uh, his projections done and are up, uh, but that, you know, it's underneath the paywall. I recommend you paying for it. Todd does amazing work. Uh, you should pay for the Masters Ball subscription. Um, but uh, let's talk about steamer. Uh, first things first. Two hitters uh, have a batting average or projected batting average over 300. That's Juan Soto and Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so obviously projection systems are pretty conservative in general when it comes to this stuff. Like you don't see guys projected for like 315 to 325 average and stuff like that. Um, obviously, Soto and Vlad can both hit 330 plus. Um you know, but you can't you can't count on that. Um, but I, I've been saying for a while. I think one of these years, Soto's just gonna have a monster like 350, 360. I think he's gonna hit like that that high of an average, and could be next year. Um, I don't know. Uh, so I mean, it's no surprise to see those two at the top. Uh, they have Soto at 307 and Vlad at 306. But uh, yeah, I mean that's what you're drafting those guys for. You're drafting them for their power and their uh, and their average, and then you know you're you're obviously getting the the counting stats along with it, and Soto will give you a little bit of speed on top. Are you drafting either of these guys? Soto, I expect to have. Yeah, um, I typically like more speed and um, and not an outfielder to start with, but I think I'll probably have at least one Soto share. Uh, Vlad, no, I, I don't think I'll have any Vlad. Yeah, How about I just, the lack of speed uh, with Vlad makes it really, yeah. really difficult. And first base is, is fairly deep, so it right. seems unlikely. I think Soto is definitely a guy I could end up with, in spite of yeah. the fact I just traded him in a uh, dynasty-ish. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. What'd you get so, for him? 
I got Raphael Devers, DJ LeMayhew, um, two first-round picks, uh, and uh, a prospect, a top 100 prospect. Okay. Uh, are, those, con- are those first-round picks worth a lot? They are. Uh, okay. It is a 30-team, 100-man roster league. Wow. Okay. So we're talking, you know, you're talking about 3,000 players are rostered in this league. You're, you're, you know, and so you really, the minor league depth is really important. Um, it was a very difficult decision because I had Soto on a pretty decent contract through 2023, but I needed, I needed depth. Depth in these leagues are huge because okay. there's just so much spots and, and getting, getting a young guy in Devers. Uh, and then also getting, you know, all the, the kind of rebuilding my minor league system uh, and getting LeMahieu is huge. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, and, and I also got Anthony Santander in, in that deal as well. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. So replace the outfield production a little bit. Yeah. Uh, two hitters over 30 stolen bases. One is Starling Marte, which makes sense considering the year. Right. Man. The right. other is... Alberto Mondesi, um, which isn't super surprising either, right? Uh, considering uh, you know what projection systems have plugged into him before. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, you know, they they had him as the number one guy coming into twenty twenty one, so I figured they'd do the same again. But I mean, can I don't know. I I, I would take the field over Mondesi to lead the league in steals because I just don't think. Between his health and the Royals coming out and saying we're not going to play him every day, um, can he still lead the league in steals? Sure, he can. Uh, like I think last, I think coming into twenty twenty one, they projected him for like something like fifty four steals, and now he's down to forty one. But I think you know st- between Starling and Trey and uh, you know Whit Merrifield, I think someone's going to steal more bases than him this year. Um, I just think. Just by getting more plate appearances alone, I think the that they're going to be able to steal more than Montesi. Yeah, um, I have to sit down and actually do the the hard math on it. But he looked like he was playing pretty close to every day down the stretch, and he wasn't playing particularly well. So I, you know, you wonder how much of Grant Dayton or Grant Dayton Dayton Moore's. Um, talk was GM speak, like trying to inspire Mondesi to play better and stay healthier because they played him pretty much every day down the stretch. I'd have to look, and and unfortunately on my computer, uh, for whatever reason, Lab Tracker takes way too long to load. Um, but I, I think it was more of a health thing than a performance thing because, yeah, I mean – it would be tough to see them sitting him if he's on fire. Like he'll he'll he always has those ridiculous streaks. Every year he'll have them. Um, but I really think they want to try to keep him healthy. And I because because he was talking about I remember reading the article and he was talking about how he just can't stay healthy and how they want to keep him healthy. And I think that's why they want to give him days off. But uh, you know I, I'm not saying they're going to sit him a lot. But I expect if they have seven games, they're probably going to play him five, maybe six games out of seven. Instead of seven, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't even subtract enough to keep him from getting the uh, the steals record or the steals, you know, leader top of the leaderboard. But uh, I just don't believe in his health. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna stay healthy this year. Um, it might be the first year that he's actually 
draftable if people lower him because they've been taking him way too high for years. But um, if he goes at a decent cost, like, you know, I don't know, fifth round or something, I think he becomes a uh, at least a guy I can consider now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I know he went – let's see. Uh, I know – I'm pretty sure he went to Paul. He went to Paul in the fifth round. Okay. Um, so I like left, that. Yeah, I like the pick of the fifth round. Um, yeah, if he's going to the fifth round, I'm going to have a lot of shares of Montesi this year. <laughs> it's too good of a gamble to pass up at that point. Um, he, uh, you know, let's see, from September 14th, through the end of the season, so a little over two weeks. Yeah. He only sat three games. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, considering he was coming off of injury, it's pretty good. He's I, always I, coming off of injury. I mean, that's yeah. that's just like his, his normal state, coming off yeah. of injury. And I think you can make the, the – I think you can make the case that you shouldn't draft him because of the injury history. Screw the the lineup stuff, or you know, I think yeah. he'll, you know, if he plays 130 games, you know, he has the potential to uh, to steal 50 bases. So, like, screw like that coach speak stuff or the manager speak stuff. Um, I agree; it's probably overblown, and I, I, and I'm I'm on board. Fifth round and later, I'm on board with that pick because it's it's a. Uh, potential home run pick, especially like in Yahoo where you can IL him anytime he goes on the IL because he yeah. will. Um, I think he's even better in leagues like that. I might even be willing to take him higher there. In NFBC, it's tougher because you need that bench slot. But um, if you're taking him in the fifth uh, where I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting what I need in those first four rounds and I can grab him in the fifth, then okay, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably taking him in the fourth if he's, if he's there. <laughs> And I feel like there's going to be someone in every league who's going to take him at least in the fourth, if not third. The the problem is there are going to be some people who are taking him in the second. Oh, no. There will be. There absolutely will be. I don't know. I'd say third. I don't know about second. Probably. Oh, well, I guess Siege exists. So he does. Second. I know. And and once people start digging into the lineup stuff and going, listen, like he was was playing down the stretch, so they're going to go, well, if he's playing, then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm drafting. Uh, yeah. I don't think, I'm not taking him in the second, but right. Um, no, you're probably right. There will be people who take him in the second, which means <laughs> there'll be someone who takes him in the first siege. Um, <laughs> God damn it, siege! <laughs> uh, Wander Franco, 610 at bats, 19 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 285 batting average. 10 stolen bases, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what did I say? 21. Oh shit! No, 10 stolen bases. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so 6'10 uh, uh, at-bats, 19 homers, 10 stolen bases, 285 batting average. How are you feeling about Wander Franco? I think someone's going to be taking him in the second round and that someone won't be me. Um, yeah. you know, I, mean, I love Wander Franco. I mean, I think you know he doesn't have the hard-hit ability that Vlad has, but he, he does have the ability to hit for a really good average, give you solid power and a little bit of speed on top. Um, and even though it's the Rays, they're probably going to play him pretty much every day because he's their shortstop. Um, yeah, I mean, he's good. I just, I think he's going to go too high. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to be the one to take him in the draft. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, if he had a, a carrying tool that I thought was completely finished, 
I, I might be like, you know, like if, if, because I do think at some point he's going to be a 300 hitter. I think he's going to be a perennial 300 hitter at some point. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ready to say that that is happening in 2022. But like, what's um, the, like, is he, is he, like, where would you take him compared to like Whit Merrifield? I mean, Whit Merrifield gives you pretty much the same I'm, thing, I'm except for Merrifield. way more, yeah, way more steals. So, yeah, like, he could be what we thought we were getting from DJ Lee Mayhew, which was 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and a 300 plus batting average. Like, I think that would okay. be yeah. happening. The problem is, yeah. we also were getting triple eligibility from right. DJ Lee Mayhew. Right. Um, and you're not going to get that from uh, from uh, from Wander Franco. So uh, I think Franco, I think Franco probably should be a fourth rounder, um, which is still saying a ton about a kid who's super fucking young. Uh, right. And I do think even though he plays on the Rays, he'll play every day uh, because he's you know there's you know everyday shortstop. That being said, I'm not paying the price that I think Franco is going to get, and people are going to go crazy over him. Agreed. Uh, Luis Robert, or sorry, Luis Robert. I, b- I believe it is Robert. We are um, going with Robert now? Okay. I believe we are. Um, okay. I know it's gone back and forth. People don't know what, <laughs> whether to say Robert or Robert. Um, I believe Robert is, is where the, the uh, uh, where he has said what is that is what he's called in Cuba. So uh, 577 at-bats, 29 home runs, 14 stolen bases, a 282 batting average. Where or what are you doing with Luis Robert? Yeah, so what was really interesting to me was the 282 batting average. Um, I mean, this was a guy who really struggled with strikeout rate when he first came up, but he's really he really improved it this year. Uh, to he's he was down below 21% K rate, which is really good for a guy who hits the ball as, as hard as he does. Um, I, I just need to know that he's, you know, because he had that right leg tightness or whatever. It doesn't sound like a major um, injury. And I, Jeff Zimmerman has him on his list of hitters who played through a 2021 injury as well. Um, I, I'm kind of interested as to why the uh, steals projection was as low as it was, though he only stole six and 300 plate appearances this year. So I guess maybe it's not as low. I guess I'm just thinking because he's so fast that he's going to run more, but maybe he has the ability to run more. I guess it's just maybe that the White Sox want to keep him healthy so they don't want, you know, to tax him and, and risk him running more. But, uh, you know, the guy just smokes the ball. And uh, I, I if he's healthy coming into the year, I love him because he's he's a guy who can easily give you for, return first-round value uh, who you can probably get in, like, the – Maybe early third, maybe late second, something like that. Um, so he's a he's a good target in that range, I think. Um, yeah, mm, this is hard for me. I love Luis Robert, and I love the potential talent. Um, in spite of the fact that people are going to say, "Oh, you were super down on Luis Robert," uh, yeah, I, because people are overinflating him. People are expecting him to become something that he's not. Uh, one. Yeah. Yes. the The strikeout numbers were much better this year. The swinging strike percentage was still sixteen percent. Like those strikeout numbers are coming back up. Now, maybe not to the extent, and he did make a lot more in zone contact. So I think around eighty six percent, which is great. Um, so I do think that he could probably maintain like a two seventy batting average uh, over the course of the year. 
the stolen bases, like, I think people think he's going to be, like, a 20 stolen base guy, or maybe even more than that. The White Sox don't run a ton. Right. This is my whole argument on Nick Madrigal. Like, everybody's like, oh, Nick Madrigal, Nick Madrigal. I was like, what happens when Nick Madrigal doesn't run? Because the White Sox don't run. Like, they were 22nd in stolen bases this year. Like, I mean, they're, they're just not a, that's not part of their team philosophy. Um, and, like, right. I don't think that's changing. So do I think he chips in stolen bases? Sure. Yeah, 10, 12, 15 stolen bases, sure. But, like, for those who think he's going to turn into, like, a 30-20 guy, I think that's crazy. And I think the fact he's going in the second round is crazy, too. I, he's really? not a second rounder. Um, have you look at Kyle Tucker's projections, because I feel like, like as much as I love Kyle Tucker, it's crazy to me that people are taking him in the first half of the first round. Uh, this is also a guy who doesn't steal 20 bases. His his projections are 31 and 14 compared to Robert, who's 29 and 14. So two less two less homers for Robert, 282 to 275. So Robert projected for a higher batting average as well. So explain to me why Tucker should be a first-rounder and Robert doesn't deserve to go in the second. Because Tucker's done it. Tucker was 30-14 this year. Okay. Robert's never done it. Not over the course okay, of the full is, season. Is 30-14 a first-round year? If you think there's growth up potential on that, I think that's where it comes down well, to the- the Astros don't run either, so I don't think there's any real growth in the stolen base department unless unless you're saying you think there's growth in the home run department. I, mean, I think he can hit 35. I don't think he's going to hit 40-plus, though. I mean, maybe, but I'm not – I think doubt he would. Okay. So if you're taking Tucker in the first round, are you taking him assuming – or not assuming, but hoping that he can hit 40-plus? Is that the is that the thought? Yeah, I'm, I'm, my, I'm thinking he is a uh, – he's potentially a, a 40-20 guy. Which is what I, I said coming into 20, uh, 2021, is I thought Tucker could be a 40 20 guy. I yeah. Still think he could do that. I, now, I think he's got a better shot at 40 than 20. I don't, I don't, and, I don't think he's going to steal 20. And I, I think that's the argument. Like, does yeah. he have a better, like, is he actually going to get to 20? Um, he may not, but 35 15 is a first rounder. Okay. I mean, is there, was there a 35-15 player that was not a first-rounder this year? I, I don't know, but, I mean, if if Robert's projections are 29-14, I, he's not very far off from that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Okay. I, I really don't. I mean... Let me put this way. I would much rather have a different player in the first and Robert in the second than Tucker in the first and someone else in the second. I just... I don't. I mean, Tucker may very well be like I have more faith in Tucker, uh, especially from a health perspective. Um, but I don't think there's that big of a discrepancy there to warrant more, a, a round plus of of draft ADP difference. See, and this is the hard part about projections because you know, with with Tucker, we've seen it. We've seen it this year. We saw it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Ro- with Robert, we haven't. People are actually paying for the projection, um, and the hope that you know he can turn the you know, you know, even if you just double what he did in twenty twenty one, like that's what that's twenty six twelve 
for Obera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I mean, 26 12 to 30 14. I mean, you're not, you're not, th those couple homers and couple steals aren't making a big yeah, enough I'm, difference. I'm, I'm talking myself into Robert into the second round now. Um, oh man, I'm really gonna have to, uh, yeah, Robert may be a second rounder. I'm, I may be backtracking a little bit on that, but it's difficult, man. It's difficult when you haven't seen a guy do it to kind of put the money, and you know. He probably you can, is you a second can, rounder. You can say the projections are full of shit. I mean, like, you don't have to agree with the now projections have gotten much better over the years. Like, I used to ignore projections completely. I no longer do. But you can certainly say I disagree with the projections. So if that's your take, then that's fine. I'm just saying I don't I think the skill sets are very similar. The team philosophies I, are very similar. Same position, both young guys. I think they're very, very comparable. And you're just—I can get a much better pitcher in the mid first than I can in the late mid to late second, where I would much rather have that pitcher plus uh, Robert than Tucker and whatever I can get the second. If if that's the room going. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I think if if that's what if that if that is how you set up, I think I'm more likely to take the hitter in the first and the pitcher in the second. But I can see the argument for, to be made to do it the other way around. I think it really depends on where I'm at in KDS. Like, where where is my draft slot? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, on whether or not I'm going to be willing to do that. Like, uh, I would I would not feel super confident starting, like, at the you know taking Ro Robert at the beginning of the second round. But if I was at the end of the second round, I might feel a little bit more more comfortable with it, um, especially because. To be honest, and I'm, I'm going to call myself out on bullshit, we hadn't seen it from Tucker, and I took him in the second round. <laughs> well, there's just there's not that many guys who have the uh, really good five-category production. I mean, mm -hmm. so obviously those guys that have already shown it are gone in the first, like, seven yeah. or eight picks. So then, this is, you know. This is why, this is why Mullins – uh, went in the first round in Arizona and, and will be going in the second round in a lot of other drafts. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I, I never think that it's like a terrible pick because you're still getting production everywhere. Like, even if they don't live up to that, they have so many paths to value. Like, if they don't steal as much, but they still hit for power, uh, you know, they, they have solid average potential. Like, everything's there where you can miss on some of it and still get enough to get value out of them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, let's talk about the next one, uh, and that is O'Neal Cruz. 300 at-bats, 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 279 batting average. God damn it, this was supposed to be a sleeper. Yeah, sleeper my ass. I, I, I saw this projection, and I was like, holy shit. Um I'll be honest with you, I hadn't looked into him in a while, but, like, the last time I had really looked at him, he had severe contact issues. I mean, he's, like, he's a super tall dude. Like, like isn't he, like, 6'8 or something like that? Yeah. I think he's, yeah, okay, 6'7". Um, yeah, and, like, last year he had uh, 18 homers, 19 steals, and hit, like, over 300 between – Double A, Triple A, and the majors. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I guess I didn't realize how much he had developed. Um, 
granted, his Babbitts were very high at AAA in the majors and, like, you know, 40 plate appearances. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who has to start to be taken seriously with a projection like that, especially the Pirates, where if they can't find a spot for him, I, I mean, where else are you going to play? Yeah, this is fucking bullshit. This is exactly Brian Hayes <laughs> all over again. This is... This is oh, this was a guy that I had circled to get late, and now he's going to be in the top, you know, fifteen rounds of drafts. And um, God damn it, yeah. I, I mean, I I love O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> this is, this is so, um, I'm super annoyed by this. Uh, did I, you and, uh, did you take him in the uh, FPAS draft? No, I don't believe anybody did. But he may be. Oh. You know, I I do have the first pick. You uh, do the startup, uh, and it may be O'Neill Cruz. You thought you thought you'd be taking him in round thirty-five, not round twenty-four. But here we I go. I thought it'd be yeah. I thought I'd be taking a closer when we started uh, back up again, and and now if I'm gonna have to take Cruz in the fucking twenty-third round, twenty-fourth <laughs> round, what a fucking bunch of bullshit! <laughs> oh, stupid fucking projection uh, systems. Yeah, uh, right. Brian Buxton. 546 at bats, 31 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 200 or 265 batting average. You put LOL next to the 546 at bats. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you'd be lucky to get 400. So, I mean, you can you can project that out all you want. Um, he obviously he's become It's interesting what's interesting to me is that obviously the projection systems are Definitely buying into the power. Not saying I wasn't, um, but, you know, it's pretty definitive. Um, he can run more than that, but I don't think he will because they they do want to keep it. I, I, they've talked about this enough where I believe it, and the Twins are definitely a team that give guys days off. Like, most players on the Twins get at least one, maybe two days off a week, especially a guy like Buxton. Um, they need they need to try to keep him healthy. But not, you, 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 Buxton is the immovable object. Uh, you cannot keep him healthy. It will not happen. He will fall short of that at-bat projection, uh, guaranteed. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Okay. Oh, boy. So, oh, boy. If you add up his plate appearances from 2020 and 2021, <laughs> it does not reach – what the projection says for 2022. <laughs> so clearly, there is a mistake that has been made here. <laughs> that being said, you know you players know. have just the the dream season. Have, every year there's a dream season, right? <clears throat> yeah. At some point, Buxton will have a dream season. At some point, Buxton will stay healthy for you know, and play 150 games and oh. hit 40 something home runs and steal 20 bases. Um, the problem is we just have no idea when it's going to happen. I'm going to take the under on that. I don't think that shit's ever going to happen. Um, do you know how many seasons he's had over 331 plate appearances? One, one, one. Yeah, that was a and good guess. 2017, he had 511 plate appearances. 331 is his next highest. He's been in the league since 2015. Like, this isn't a guy who just came up a year or two ago. So, I mean. I'm just saying. I mean. I mean, I think that was one year. 
that it already happened. 2017. He 511 plate appearances. That's the last time, buddy. He ain't hitting 500 again. I think he'll live it again, but it'll never be on any of my teams. <laughs> exactly. It's just not I'm worth. Just not, I'm not worth. It's not worth the risk. If people priced him correctly, where you could actually t- like where where his risk was worthwhile, fine. But he won't. It'll be like Mondesi. Someone's going to take him in the fifth round or fourth round or something ridiculous. And I'm just going to say, Godspeed. Good luck to you. He was on one of my teams this year. Oh, my my Barf team. Okay. And my Barf team was looking like it was going to run away with the Earth overall championship. And just like my Barf team, it just completely fell apart for Byron Bucks in 2021 because <laughs> he can't stay healthy. Um, when was it looking like you were going to run away with the overall Earth type? When, type? when, when, when Bucks like, was hitting... Too? Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> I booked it. I had already gotten the design for the belt made in my head. So the year, uh, the year I won the um, the Barf uh, uh, Championship, uh, the the Bay Area Road of Fantasy League, um, I I I was uh, I was leading that from week one. I I, I went wire to wire. Um, wow. in that league, um, and at one point had the largest like lead I I think I'd ever had in the fantasy league in like August. Um, and I almost lost that league. Wow! Uh, and I say that only because I was just like jokingly talking shit right there about my barf league team. Um, but, I love to talk shit. Uh, and I'm aware. I'm familiar. I, I, I almost ate so much of it uh, because that team. Fucking almost <laughs> fell apart at the end of the season. Um, uh, I, for some reason, just made me think of that. <laughs> well, hey, you know, don't feel too bad about not winning the Earth overall championship because we do have someone on this podcast who did win it. Oh, so, oh I mean, the two we? of us. Yeah, we do. And, you know, so the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast mm. has the Earth overall champion on it. This uh, is true. You know, maybe, I'll let you, uh, maybe I'll let you touch it one of these days, you know, and give you a nice little up-close view of it. Don't you can touch it when you hand it to me next year, buddy. Oh, 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 I feel a side bet coming for us in the in the overall next year. I think we should have one. I think we. All right, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm in. It may be our only league against each other next. Oh no no, we'll have the bottom of the podcast again. So, oh god, I hope it's not. I hope it doesn't draft in January again. I'm. It's gonna be so bad. I'll be more ready this year than I was last year. That's for damn sure. But still, I'm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would hope it's not going to – I mean, especially with all, like I said, the CBA stuff, I'm going to be probably avoiding uh, as many early drafts. So, Good call. Uh, all right, let's see. Next one. Um, oh, you just wrote aggressive innings pitch projections. Yeah, I mean, kind of like the at-bats projections for Buxton and Mondesi, I think that their innings pitched projections are – are pretty aggressive, <laughs> um, as uh, as you can you can tell from the three names I listed underneath. You can go ahead and read yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about Shane Boz, hundred ninety two innings pitch. Arthur uh, <laughs> Sale, hundred eighty seven innings pitch. Shane Bieber, hundred eighty three innings pitch. Um, good stats to go along with those. Boz, yeah. uh, three seventy four ERA, one nineteen WHIP, ten point uh, two strikeouts per nine. Chris Sale, uh, three. 
3.57 ERA, 114 whip, uh, 11 strikeouts per nine. Shane Bieber, 336 ERA, 113 whip, uh, 10.8 strikeouts per nine. Um, those are all great numbers. Uh, what did Sale end up finishing with? Like 25 innings pitched? Um, I, I don't know, but I, I will take like heavy under on all of those projections. Like those are just absurd. Um, Sale had I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking uh, the under on both. Uh, as and sale. I'm yes. I don't know that I'm taking the under necessarily on Bieber. Okay, if Bieber um, healthy coming okay. into twenty uh, into twenty twenty two. I mean, he threw two hundred fourteen innings in twenty nineteen. Oh no! Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, okay, I probably misspoke a little bit. Uh, Boz and Sale are absurd. Bieber mm-hmm. could certainly hit 183, and he has easily the best shot at, you know, remotely coming close to their projection. Um, I am still afraid of his health situation, uh, but Fair. better Fair. better than sales. And, I mean, Shane Boz, like, wouldn't even know if he's going to be, like, a full-time member of the rotation to start the year. This is the Rays. Like, they play guys five innings a lot, so – I mean, with their pen, they don't need to push their starters, and they don't. So I, I don't know what they're smoking over there, projecting him for 192 innings, coming off of pitching. Well, I mean, he did pitch 79 innings of minors and then another 15 innings in the majors. So he pitched 94 innings this year, which is more than I thought he did. But I still I don't see them jumping him 100 innings and – just no, absolutely. Deep, in, deep I, in the games, no. I I drafted Shane Boz in Arizona. Yeah, and, uh, I'm expecting like 140. I I would agree. Yeah, I mean even even 150 if you 160 if you want to be aggressive, but 192, Jesus, no. There's there's no chance. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't know what they're thinking there. Honestly, um, I don't either. <clears throat> that that's a computer, not. Not being able to adjust real life, real excuse me, real life. A uh, little bit of hiccup there. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think Steamer's really known for their at bat and innings pitched projections. Like, um, <clears throat> there's there's some other projection systems. I think they need more information. Uh, there's some better projection systems out there for for that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Podhorzer and Zimmerman and ATC all do a better job uh, with projecting that stuff. But it's just, you know, looking at it, it's just like, wow. Uh, no. Nope. Too too aggressive there. All right. Uh, Corbin Burns is the only uh, starting pitcher with an ERA under three. And I'm going to go run and grab uh, water while you talk about him. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... Corbin Burns, we, we've kind of mentioned, um, I think we both have him as our top-rated starter uh, going into 2022. Um, you know, just there's there's really no red lights for me at this point with him. It, you know, with with the innings coming into uh, 2021, I was a little hesitant to, you know, draft him where he was going. Uh, obviously, that was the wrong call because he was phenomenal, uh, as Justin luckily had him on uh, a bunch of 
his teams. But um, you know, after going 167 innings this this year, I don't think you know 190 is is you know or even 200 are are the question. And uh, yeah, I think his skills are better than Garrett Cole's at this point. Um, Cole might be, I guess, slightly safer. But uh, being in being in New York, you know, that home run rate can always make that that ERA spike a bit. So uh, I'll take Burns in the NL all day as my SP1. So uh, I'm liking that the projection systems um, kind of track that way as well. Well, and I mean, this is a question that I <laughs> probably can ask the guy who does Steamer. Uh, but um, I'm assuming these projections still have the NL not having the DH. Oh, yeah, probably. So uh, I, my guess is once that is adjusted, assuming that we do have the DH, there's no pitcher under uh, three uh, ERA anymore. Um, but that being said, I still like Corbin Burns quite a bit, and I still have him as a top three yeah. pitcher heading into uh, into 2022. Um, and when I did my starting pitcher ranks, I did it under the assumption that there would be a National League uh, DH as well. So. Uh, but I agree with everything you said, um, despite the fact I missed a little bit of it as I went ran to go grab a water bottle. I apologize for those hiccups. Uh, my, the nicotine lozenges that I sometimes use uh, can dry out my throat oddly quickly. Um, and uh, apparently uh, that uh, comes back to bite me in the form of hiccups. So, so you, uh, said, you said top, top three, so I'm guessing Garrett Cole is in there. Who else would you potentially have above Burns? Would it be Beeler? Uh, Scherzer. Scherzer, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, I mean, now with the injury, you know, kind of ending the season, maybe not. I think Burns yeah. probably – I think it's probably between Burns and Cole as my, my top two guys. So, okay. um, I think you can make the argument for Bueller as well. Um, you know, uh, and I can actually bring up my ranks. I think You can. He doesn't have the kick. He doesn't have the K rate that I would like from from my number one or two overall guy, but I mean, you don't come any more solid than Bueller. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's probably Cole and Burns um, as my top two guys. Yeah. So this so. next one was was really interesting to me, and this is uh, this is your boy. Logan Webb with a 3.37 ERA, projected ERA, sixth lowest in baseball, projected ERA. Now, granted, if they have the DH, that goes up. But sixth lowest really uh, really seems to buy into what he did this year. And, and granted, his Sierra was right alongside his, his ERA, too. Um, are, are you fully buying into Logan Webb as, like, a top five to seven starter? Top five to seven? No. Well, no. I mean, if he's sixth in the ERA, so oh. uh, I mean, where where are you? So you're you're much lower on him then. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I was going to be higher on him coming in, um, to you know, to this off season, but apparently I'm going to be the low man on Logan Webb, and it's not because I dislike him. It's just there's sure. so little track record. Like, I I believe in a lot of things we saw, but like. Am I going to take him over Joe Musgrove? I don't know that I want to take him over Joe Musgrove or, or his former teammate, Kevin Gosman. Um, Gosman. Putting him in the top five means I'm taking him over Brandon Woodruff, 
Zach Wheeler, Lance Wait. Lynn, Julio Urias. I, I don't think I can do that. Like, I think you can make the argument that he's a top 10 guy, but top five, I, that's, that's, that's a little difficult for me. That's fair. Um, yeah, like guys like Woodruff and, um, and Wheeler, I definitely have above him. Um, after that, I think you can make an argument for a lot over a lot of other guys. Um, you know, I, I think I'd take Alcantara over him. Um, but like Robbie Ray kind of scares me. Uh, sure. Urias, I don't know. Uh, you know, he, well, I guess Webb doesn't have the elite K rate either. So, yeah. um, like I kind of like taking a shot on a guy like Freddie Peralta in that, which I which I did in in an FPAS maybe a little too early, but I, I love that K rate though. Um, I believe in his stuff, and yeah, I don't know. He scares me less than other guys, and I guess guys in the NL. I mean, granted, I guess if there's a DH, it's kind of equalized now. But uh, I love the park. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I do agree that five to seven is too high for him. Um, I'd probably put him more in the, in the 10 to 12 range, but uh, I, I do think for the most part, he's, uh, I mean, he made the, he made the changes in his pitch mix to really um, kind of give him that legitimacy where it looks like this is who he is now. Um, yeah. I have what, him at 21. Oh, wow. Okay. So, There's some other guys in there. I mean, I mean like Musgrove has always had health issues um, and I don't, know where he ended up but he wasn't like phenomenal overall with his numbers he was good though um gaussman had a real rough second half but how much of that is attributed to his personal problems i don't know um i also just guys who rely on a splitter man it's so so tough um but he's been doing it well for two years now so i i don't know what I think did was there not some news that Gaussman uh, had figured out something that he was doing wrong at the end of the year or something like that? I have to go back and look, but I thought there was something about that. I don't I don't remember seeing anything like that. Musgrove finished as a number sixteen starting pitcher off the board. Okay. And what, so, what, what, what did Webb finish as? What did Webb finish as? Yeah, is this like in terms of overall value for twenty twenty one? Yeah, he finished 26th. Oh, okay. Now, you have to remember, Webb didn't throw as many innings as a lot of these other guys. That's true. You know? Uh, yeah, he, he, missed, he missed a good amount of time. Right. So, uh, you know, but how much of that enters into the equation, right? Like, you know, yeah. you can't just give him a pass and be like, oh, well, he didn't pitch oh, as oh, much. He no, he didn't pitch as much for a reason. Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know, he kind of goes like to me. There is an ace, you know, a tier of aces, and then there's like the one B aces, and Webb goes in that a huge tier of one B aces, but he's not he's yeah. not the one A yet. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I and I think that's key. I think that a lot of those guys, I can kind of see. Like, I don't think there's anybody that I'm like I have to have this guy over this guy. I think a lot of them are kind of on the same plane where I'm okay getting like prioritizing other things and then just taking whoever falls to me out of that glob. Um, and I, and, I, lo I love Logan Webb. I do, but yeah. Yeah. There will be people though that try to push him into that top five. There will that's, be people that's take him in the second round. 
That's why I was asking because I do think that there's going to, especially if the projections are putting them that high, uh, I do think that some people will do that because of recency bias and how how well he pitched at the end of the season. And I, I do think that that's a bit of a mistake because I don't think he has the strikeout ability to really push up into that next tier. Whereas this next guy, as I just mentioned, I think does, and that's Freddy Peralta, who has the fourth highest projected K rate at 11.7 strikeouts per nine. Now, you said he scares you a bit. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, one, injury history. Two, mechanics. Um, I, I don't love uh, what he does mechanically. I know it helps hide the ball uh, and that uh, he uh, you know, gives him an extra layer of deception, which is one of the reasons why he strikes out so many guys. Um, that being said, they can be they can be difficult to repeat at times, uh, and we did see him at the end of the season kind of lose a little bit of his repeatability of his mechanics. Um, don't love the home park he pitches in. Uh, you know, love it, that's NL, but again, NL's going to get the DH, so that doesn't matter anymore. I I still have him ranked very highly. Um, Counterpoint, so, he had a 2.80 RA and a .97 whip and 12.16 K per nine rate. So <laughs> um, I hear you. I just feel like after the first couple guys, I, can, I there's there's risks all over the place with starters. So I think for me, yeah. I, I want the guy who can be in that top three to five conversation. And for me, that's Freddie Peralta. Um because, you know, we kind of talked about with, with Robbie Ray at, at uh, first pitch Arizona, one of the things we knew we were getting strikeouts from him, right? So you like strikeouts for pitchers are one are probably the category that you, you're most confident in. Um, that's what you know you're getting from Freddie Peralta. You know you're getting those strikeouts. So, um, you know, does he need to give me a 2.80 ERA and a sub one whip? No. Um I think if he's even remotely close to those, he could still be a top five to seven pitcher, though. So, because uh, of the strikeout rate, and that's that's what I am really looking for looking for from him. And he's also lowered his walk rate every single year since 2018. So he's gone from 4.6 walks per nine to 3.9 to 3.7 to 3.5 last year. So, you know, he does walk more guys than you'd like, but under you know he's under 3.5. That's not really like the danger zone. Um, yeah. Mm. He definitely struggled at the end of the season. That's my biggest concern. Okay. Do you think it? Do you attribute that to him, like running out of gas, or maybe just not being right physically? Um, and uh, it may—I don't. You know, he was coming off an injury. Uh, I know. You know, at the end of the season and. Um, but if it finished last month of the season, you know, 4.7 ERA. Now, the the underlying numbers were, you know, better than that, obviously. You know, he had yeah. like a 391 FIP, 364 XFIP. Uh, and the strikeouts were still there. And the walks actually weren't really an issue for him. No. Was, you know, kind of a good sign. He was giving up home runs. He wasn't able to yeah. locate within the zone. Yeah, I don't know that that worries me too much. He also faced St. Louis, who was like the hottest team in baseball in the in the last month, three times during that span. Because um, he blanked Detroit for six innings, two hits, no walks, no runs, nine Ks uh, with his, and his third last start. 
Um, and then, you know, he didn't have a good last start against the, the Mets. But I, I don't know. I'm not seeing anything there that really worries me too much. Yeah, I just don't know. I've got him as my 16th, I think, ranked starter. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So Yeah, I, I, I have him significantly higher. Um, i just probably not going to end up with him. Just, okay. you know, probably going to go a different direction. Um, I've got him right around, like, the Robbie Ray area. Um, you know, Robbie Ray, Shane Bieber, Joe Musgrove, Freddie Peralta, Kevin Gosman. Okay. Know. Um, but that's okay. Like, if, he, if he's going as a top 10 starter, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Like, I don't think yeah. – I'm not going to, like, yell from the rooftops at people, like, oh, you shouldn't be taking Freddie Peralta. I'm just going to go a different direction. It would be funny if you did, though. Yeah, no, th- there'll be there'll be players that I will yell at people for from the rooftops. <laughs> Who is one of those players? I don't know. It'll be someone. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I've got that draft up. I, I just left it on my phone. Oh, at least I thought I did. You uh, need to oh, do yeah, that, yeah. by the way. In future podcasts, you just need to have that draft board up at all times. Because I, I'm, you go- I'm going to. So much. Let's see. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of looking through the first two rounds of players and being like, who is the, who is the guy that, I mean, Giovanni Gallegos in the third round. I'm still going to yell about that. I mean, we can yell, we can yell at Paul all day. I I, I already did. I yelled at him on (laughs) on, on the sleeper in the the last sleeper in the bus podcast that we did from Arizona. (laughs) Um, Just about how like awful that pick was. Yeah. Um, And he continued to try to defend it. And said, "Yeah, I was wrong." And then we we literally took a vote of the people at, watching the podcast, and like of a room of like uh, we we jokingly said it was ten thousand people, but it was really like forty people. Two people raised their hand saying that uh, that pick was uh, better than me taking a Rossiel Iglesias two picks later. Oh no, 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 no! Rysel yeah. was a much better pick. Yeah. So I mean. Um, yeah, that, that if, if I'm going to yell at anybody for a, a first three round selection, um, in uh, well, Wander Franco in the second round was pretty bad. Okay, I uh, I don't know for for me it would where did Trout go? Because if he went in the first round, that's uh, he went he went, the second, he went round. the second round. He went the twelfth right. pick in the second round. All right, uh, the to the twelfth team, the like third pick in the second mm-hmm. round. Yeah, yeah. Who, who took three hitters? In the first three rounds, I can't remember who this was. I don't think it was anybody in the industry. Um, so it took three hitters um, in. Oh no, no, this. I think this is Mike Curland. Oh wait, no, no, Mike Curland was fourteen. Um, okay. story they started. Yeah. So potentially three. You spent you know first three picks on hitting and did not get much in terms of stolen bases. No, uh, they did take Yelich right when I was about to take him, but uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, that was a good pick. Yeah. Uh, not yeah, because Yelich and Story pretty much all of their steals right now. Yeah, because they uh, also took Stanton in this draft. Oh, they took they did take Rymel Tapia, but yeah, that's that's pretty oh, much yeah, it. that that one actually pissed me off. That was gonna be, I was gonna be, yeah, I got sniped there pretty hard on on Tapia. Um, so but he had, he ended up to not playing every day at the end of the season too. So you never know with that mm-hmm. situation either. It's the Rockies, right? It's the Rockies. All right. Uh, any uh, last thoughts on the steamer projections that you want to bring up? Not for now. I think. Do you, uh, do you, I mean, we're we're up super late, anyways. Do you want to spend fifteen minutes and uh, uh, talk about the Masters Ball uh, hitter ranks? It's fine That's with me. That's why I put it on. That's why I put it on there. 
Okay, so uh, we'll do it kind of quick, and what I'll do is I will just, I will, usually I kind of pare down the notes on, uh, um, for the show description on, on your podcast player, but I'm just going to leave the entire top 50 on there. Actually, I'll probably, I probably won't pare it down at all. I'm just going to copy and paste straight from this into that, so you'll have exactly what we've been working off of, so you have all the Steamer projection stats, all that good stuff. Um, let's talk about this top 50, uh... And I'm just going to go down the list of guys um, that you kind of provided uh, and then kind of just throw it to you in terms of, uh, except for the last part. I'm not going to talk about the last part first. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about the catchers uh, individually. Um, okay. But number one, Trey Turner. Yep. You and I don't have an issue with that, right? Nope. That's who I'm taking at one. Number two, J-Ram. I don't have an issue with that either. Yeah, on the on the toolshed pod, I, I I had the second pick and I took J Ram at two. It's it's all about that security plus the lack of third base options, man. Like, to to get your third baseman and not have to worry about that shitty shitty position after that is so nice. You get your steals there, uh, you know you you're getting everything. So yeah, J Ram at two sounds weird, but I think it's the right call. Soto three, Tatis four, Bichette five, Vlad six. Any issues with any of those? Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking Tatis in the first round. I, I love the talent. But... You're not taking Tatis in the first round because of the injury. Yeah, yeah, because of the, okay. because he's not getting the look. He went on the IL like five times this year, and I mean, like it's but he still more... turned in like an sure. amazing season. But again, people don't think about the zeros that they're taking because their guy gets hurt on a Monday and they can't take him out until you know Friday in NFBC, and then like in fan tracks, you can't take him out until the next Monday. So you're taking zeros, like you're not getting all of those stats that you're seeing because, like, they come back in the at the end of a week or the middle of a week or whatever. Like, you're not going to get all those stats, and you're going to be taking zeros along the way too. And I mean, I love the guy, but at any point, one of those injuries could be season-ending. There were several times this year where they were, they thought it was season-ending. Turned out, thankfully, not to be. But it's just too much risk for me in the first round. I, there's just other guys I can take. I, I totally get it. I don't have a problem taking Tatis. I really don't. I mean, okay. uh, 130 games this season, 42 home runs, 25 stolen bases, hit 282, 364, 611. Steamer pretty much projects him for the same amount of games. 39 home runs, 23 stolen bases. Yeah, I'll take that in the first round. Um, you know. Yeah, it's, it's just too much risk for me, but I get it. Uh, I mean, the guy's a stud, so I mean – I, I, I do have a problem with it, but I, I understand why people want to do it. And you know what? I Man, it's hard because there's part of me that goes, no, no, be plate safe. Play it safe, don't take him. It kind of depends on yep. where in the first round. Like, would you rather have him still or Kyle first, Tucker? Still your first round pick, Kyle Tucker, because I'm getting stats. Oh, yeah, still. All right. I, yeah, I can understand. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I mean, so issues, yeah, Vlad at six is too high for me. Um, I mean, he's yeah. super talented, but just doesn't give me what I'm looking for in the first round, personally. Um, interestingly enough, um, we already talked about Kyle Tucker, so I'm going to skip over him. I yeah. want to talk about the next kind of three guys, which are Judge at 11, mm-hmm. Mike Trout at 13, and Otani at 14. Now I will say this: I'm pretty sure this is only taking Otani as a hitter. As a hitter, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, because he only did his top 50 hitters. He didn't do pitchers. Where would you take Otani? 
I don't know. I really don't. Um, like, I, if you're sitting there at eight, are you avoiding Otani? Because where, here's the thing. in my head, Otani is probably a top five player. In my head. As a hitter or overall? Overall. Okay. Like, I, like, if I'm doing, like, straight values, and I go, this is what I think Otani is going to produce, those straight values are going to give me a top five player. I don't think I'm comfortable taking him there. I mean, it's it's weird because he he had such a monster first half and then just fell off a cliff in the second half. I mean, he had 229 with 13 homers uh, and, well, he still had 14 steals. I mean, the guy has a lot of passive value, right, which I love. I just – I I don't know. I I just don't know. Um he is the definition of the value because even when he's not hitting, he can still pitch. Uh, I don't know where to take him, though, because honestly, I wasn't really – I was kind of ignoring him, which is probably not good. But right now, I just there's, there's so many factors to think about with him. I just really haven't. Yeah, I, I honestly I don't know what to make of him in terms of his value in 2022 from, like, a draft standpoint. Like, I really don't. Um, and – it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of sitting down and kind of thinking it out. Um, I'm not quite there yet, and I mean, if I had a draft right now, honestly, if I had a draft right now, I would take him just to see what my team looked like. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and those of you that do mock drafts or early drafts to kind of you know ramp up for your full season, like I encourage you to take him early. What if you had a draft that was like a thousand dollars or more though? Yeah, I, still... I couldn't. No, I couldn't. Get it. <laughs> yeah, like if this is your only draft of the year, and you're doing it in December, well, one, you have made poor <laughs> life decisions. But two, um, yeah, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could take him in the first round. I think I would pass on him. Yeah, uh, I I think we'd have to get to a certain point in the first round before I would consider him. Um, like bets would have to be off the board. Uh, probably Tucker. I think I might just take Vlad over him too, because at least I got a position with Vlad and I get the average. Because um, like Otani, I don't know what I'm getting from him average-wise. Like the projections had him for like 250 or something, and he had 230 in the second half. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, 250 it's, seems right, but yeah. it's the amount of power and speed you get. It's just unreal. right, right. No, and for sure. And you have to think if the Angels can stay healthy at all. Like, the amount of runs and RBIs he could rack up, like, would be insane if Rendon and Trout are healthy. I'll say this. I'm taking him over Trout. Um, I don't know. I don't know versus Judge. I think I'm taking over Judge, too, especially if I'm I'm getting Otani the pitcher as well. Well, I mean, here's the question. Are you taking him over Kyle Tucker? Because if no, you're not I, taking him over Kyle Tucker, no. then you're not taking him. Because right. Otani's going to go in the first round of every draft. Well, I think Tucker will too. But uh, no, well, I'm that's taking. What I, that, that's what I mean. Like I, yeah. you know, Trout and Judge, I think are second round players. Yeah. You no, know, I. So, so you're I not taking. I'm, no, I think I not right now. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to think about some more. But I think I'm taking Tucker over him. I just. 
I'd just rather be a little safer in the first round than, than that. But I, I get it. I think there's certainly an argument to be made. I just hate that he doesn't have a position, too, on top of that. I don't mind necessarily that he doesn't have a position. I think one of my big issues is we've already seen him have a massive pitching injury already. Right. If he were to have another one, you means you're losing him. I guess it would depend on the injury. Could. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, just, I, think, I hate to say it, but I don't think I can. I don't. I don't feel super comfortable with taking Otani in the first round. I get that. Yep. Um, and that's something I didn't think I would say. And I, you know, we did that uh, mock draft with Matt Williams, and I took him with the sixth pick. Uh, just like I said, just to try it. Um, yeah. I, I like the way my team was shaping up before we kind of ended. I think after ten rounds. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I, like you said, thousand dollars on the line. Yeah, no. Yeah, that that's the thing. I don't really care what people do in mocks and free drafts or even like ten dollar drafts. I, I want to know what you're doing when real money's on yeah. the line. That's that's Absolutely. what you really think. Mm-hmm. Um, Judge, are you buying him as a first rounder or early second rounder? Man, it's just the injury history that concerns me, and he's you know he's such a big guy that. You know, he's going to be prone to that kind of thing a lot, but he stayed healthy for the most part this year. I mean, he missed a couple of games, but he had 633 plate appearances, 39 homers, hits two eight. He, he hit 287. Um, that's the thing; like, you're getting a pretty good average from Judge, which is which is really something you don't normally get from a guy who can hit 40 to 50 homers. Obviously, you're not getting any speed, but um, I mean, he had six steals this year. I guess it's not nothing, um, and he's in a really good lineup. But uh, I, I, he's just not typically the kind of guy that I want to target that early. I, I'm, I'm looking for speed. I'm not looking for power. So I don't expect to have him judge. Yeah, I, I don't either. I just the injury history to me is just too scary. Uh, yeah. Taking that, taking that early, um, even though like he could easily return that value. Like sure. I, like he, yeah. he, he could be one of those guys that has like a 50-15 season or a 50-12 season. Would not be surprised. Um, that being said, just not going to happen on my team. But you know, uh, real quick, one quick story to explain why power to me doesn't matter that much early on. I was in a fan tracks league this year, high stakes fan tracks league. Uh, I whatever happened, my team just got massacred due to injuries and underperformance. Whatever, I was dead last in homers by twenty five homers at one point in the season, uh, and this was like this was like June or so or like July. I ended up second overall in homers by the end of the year because you can pick up power. Power later in the draft, and even if you miss in the draft in season, you can find power. What you can't find is average and steals, at least not good sources of them, like sources that actually aren't zeros in other places. So if I'm ever leaving a draft low in anything offensively, it's going to be power because I know I can still find it later. Absolutely. So that's why I just don't build my teams around guys like like Judge. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Um, my boy Cedric Mullins, 25th. On there, yeah. Um, what do you think? I feel like this is low. I mean, yeah, because this is not 25th overall. This is the 25th hitter. Hitter, yeah. Meaning, yeah. meaning probably there's like a dozen pitchers in there, so he'd probably be like. 37th or something like that, which would be about third round. So yeah. feels feels a little low. Yeah, it, it feels a low, especially for a guy 
I can understand if you're going to regress him in power, maybe even regress him batting average. Uh, I don't know. He's got some legit contact skills. I agree. Um, but like, I can understand making those regression moves in your projections. He's still stealing 30 bases, right? I got to think he would on the Orioles. I mean, this is a guy who has a long track record of stealing bases. He's on a team that has nothing to play for. That's fine. With running him off every game. Yeah. I why mean, not? I don't see a reason why not. This Does this feel low to you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, honestly, like you're comparing him to Otani. I, I know that Otani's more gifted, but you know, when it all said and done, I mean, you can kind of count on what you can get from Mullins more than Otani. You're going to get more power from Otani, but you're probably going to get a better average from Mullins. You're going to get probably at least as many steals. Uh, he's healthier and you don't have the, that risk downside and he has a position on top. So do I think that Otani at 14 compared to Mullins at 25 seems a little skewed? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, the fact that he is uh, 25 and Judge is 11, I'll take Mullins over Judge every day of the week. Yeah. I don't disagree. All right. Uh, Brian Reynolds, Trevor Story, DJ LeMayhew, Lindor. Reynolds is 43. Story is 44. LeMayhew is 48. Lindor is 49. There's a ton to unpack on these these last guys right here. Yeah. Um, I feel like Reynolds is probably too high. Story is probably too low. DJ LeMayhew is probably too high. And Lindor is probably too low. Like, I don't know what to do here. Well, I don't, I don't know if Reynolds and DJ are even too high. Uh, I just think that Story and Lindor are way too low. Um, yeah. I know that they had bad 2021 seasons, but these are guys with long track records of success. And uh, Lindor really came on at the end of the season too. Um, and Story, I know he's not going to be in Colorado anymore, but I think that's going to make people undervalue him more than they should. Absolutely. He has a very good skill set, and he got very unlucky this year. Uh, I, I foresee myself possibly – Waiting on shortstop this year, if I can get those kind of guys in like the fourth or fifth round, that's going to be pretty pretty nice because those are some potential first round values right there. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, uh, Reynolds. I like I like Reynolds, but a guy who doesn't really have much of a carrying tool outside of batting average, which we know can be fluky year to year. Um, going that high seems a bit scary to me. I don't know. I don't, I'd have to look to see. I I left him and LeMayhew in there kind of as context for story and Lindor more more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I don't know yet whether that's uh, too high for them or not. I mean, I I think that Reynolds is a 20 to 25 homer, probably closer to 20 homer guy. Um, You know, I, I do think that he'll hit 300, around 300. Um, he did still have 93 runs and 90 RBI, even on the Pirates. I will say that. Because uh, you know a lot of people are going to point to him being on the Pirates and be like, well, his counting stats are going to suck. I mean, they didn't suck this year. Not, that was about as bad of a lineup as I could have imagined for most of the and, time. So I think it'll get better. They'll have Hayes, mo- they'll have Hayes for the full year. Right. Uh, you know, as long as he's O'Neal healthy. Cruz. O'Neal have O'Neal Cruz, who's a monster, according to uh, <laughs> Steamers. So... Um, yeah, I mean, 
I like Reynolds. I just don't know. Let's see. I mean, that probably means you're taking Reynolds' 43rd hitter off the board. Let's say 20. We're going to say 22 uh, pitchers go at that time period. So that's pick 65. Yeah, I mean, I... I fifth round, Brian Reynolds? Is that right. a good deal? Yeah, I, don't, I mean... I guess the question is, would you wouldn't you rather just have DJ LeMayhew around the same time? Who pretty oh, much no, he, he's, he's too high too. Okay, well, but you can I, get. I got I got DJ LeMayhew in like the eighth round. Right, right, and, and I mean, this is obviously probably not where they're going to be going in drafts. This is his oh, yeah. ranking, so they're, mm-hmm. you know, which we so. appreciate Todd sharing these publicly. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if he has before in the past. Uh, I, I probably wasn't looking for it. Um, just happened to come across my news feed. But, um, you know, I think it's more that you can probably get Reynolds and DJ later, but they're probably going to be better than where they go uh, ADP-wise. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, let's finish out with catchers. Yeah, this was real. This is this was definitely what stood out the most. Yes. So Sal Perez, he has is the 45, 45th hitter off the board, or 45th hitter, you know. Yeah. He has Jitil Ramuto as the is not a top 50 hitter. Right. Okay. But then he has another catcher ranked above both of them. Yeah. Dalton Varsho as the 39th hitter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you, had to, you had to fix your camera right there because it was steaming over. Yeah, my, my camera was was not computing that. Uh, yeah, I. Um, it's not like it can't happen, but my God, is there so much down down downside risk with Varsho? Um, like obviously, he's a catcher who gives you speed. And assuming and well, so you said you were, you're assuming he does not assume the NLDH. I don't know because oh no, that was the projection system. Okay, so maybe but Todd. No, really, Todd. I mean, well, Todd probably is. Todd probably is because I don't know how the hell you make any argument for Varsho anywhere close to there uh, unless it's assuming NLDH, right? I mean, there's no way. I don't know. There's so much downside there. I, I he's very talented. He steals bases as a catcher. Um, I, I but God no 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 no. Um, not taking him over Sal. Not taking him over JTR. Uh, I like him, but nowhere close to that much. I mean, in in the defense, he played virtually like every day down the stretch. Um, right. That being said, the helium on Dalton Varsha will have me out because he's going to go in like the fourth or fifth round of drafts, and there's no way I'm paying that price. Yeah, I don't. I just can't do it. I mean, and I've also heard the organization talk about him, and they, they talk about how dumb he is. And well, okay, the organization doesn't, but I've heard from people with the organization. Okay, that that was uh, from me. I someone in someone inside the organization, and the quote was "is dumb as rocks." <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, they're never going to use him as their everyday catcher. Like, he 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 needs to play outfield slash DH also. And the other problem is that the Diamondbacks are another team that sit guys. Like, they don't really play anybody every single day. Um, they might play him close to every day, which for a catcher is good enough, right? Like, like you know, if you're playing close to every day as a catcher, you're way ahead of 90% of the field. So, but you're not ahead of Sal or JTR. Um I mean, here's the thing. So, and I, I don't know how he can put him in front of Sal Perez or, or JTL Ramuto. I really can't. That being said, Steamer projects him for 489 plate appearances, 19 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 250 batting average. What if we penciled him in for 600 plate appearances? Well, then he'd probably be at like. I don't know, 23, 11, to 45? As a catcher. Yeah. I mean, that's a top three or four catcher, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that he finishes as a top five catcher at all. I think he might even be a favorite to do so, as assuming they get the DH. I just don't know how you jump Sal Perez and JTR. I don't know how you do either, but I could see him outproducing him, so I kind of understand it. Uh, okay. I, 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 I'm not going to. No, there's, there's just a little too much risk there for me. Uh, but if I can get Varsho in, like, you know, I think Curlin got a decent price on him. I think you said he took him in, like, the eighth or whatever. I will Back let you up. know. I still have it up. Uh, Curlin got him in one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh round. Seventh round. Okay. Like, you know, I I think people thought it was early at the time, and I think it could end up being people will look back on that and think that that's one of his earlier or uh, later times to get him. So um, I I don't hate it. I just think personally, give me all the Will Smith before. I was just—I was literally just about to say I took Will Smith at the back yeah. end of the fifth round, and I still yeah. feel like that was the right decision over Varsho. But I bet you Varsho starts going ahead of Will Smith. Yeah, I can see it, and uh, like I said, give me all the Will Smith in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, before we before we finish off, I want to check Will Smith's. Uh, projection uh, and see what it looks like. Uh, they have him for 21 home runs, two stolen bases, 245 batting average. Okay. They only have him for 103 games played, though. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think the projections are still assuming no DH. Well, but he, he played in 130 games this year. Yeah, no, I I don't know. Uh, I, sometimes, like you said, Project systems aren't always great at capturing um, the games played. Right, right. No, I um, – yeah, just I'll, I'll take Will Smith. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think Marshall will end up going ahead of him, um, which is kind of crazy, but I, I think it will happen. All right. Well, Dave, that wraps us up for this episode, two and a half hours. This is like a high-stakes heat episode. I know, right? Oh, hey, speaking of which, Jake gave me a verbal commitment that we are going to be recording this Thursday. Yes. Anything else you got going on? You're going to just chat with Jake? Yeah. Yeah, so I got that going on. I got a couple articles I hope to drop this week. Uh, I And, like, I've got four articles that I have 
most of them written. I need to look up some specific things to finish them off. But uh, yeah, so I'm definitely going to be uh, a busy bee this off season with uh, with baseball, and hopefully that'll lead to my best year yet. Even um, hopefully even better than this year. Awesome. Uh, and you can reach Dave on Twitter at RunDMCD. Don't forget that. <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, read my work over at Fangraphs. Uh, I'll be dropping my first set of public ranks uh, here in the next week or so uh, for every single position. Um, and then you could uh, also catch me on the Sleeper on the Bus podcast, DGFBI podcast. That's going to do it for me and Dave. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. And as always, we leave you with... Fun times in Cleveland again. Still Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland Town, everyone. Under construction since 1868. See our river that catches on fire. It's so polluted that all our fish have AIDS. We see the sun almost three times a year. This guy has at least two DUIs. The flats look like a Scooby-Doo ghost town. Don't slow down in East Cleveland or you'll die. Our economy's based on LeBron James. Buy a house for the price of a VCR. Our main export is crippling depression. We're so retarded that we think this is art. It could be worse though, at least we're not Detroit. We're, we're not, not Detroit. Detroit.